Folks, I hope you've had a great week. Now, I have been talking about some announcement type things for a little while. Um, and now that, uh, you know what, now that we are well underway with uh, some of those things, and I feel like I can, I can plan them out properly, um, I wanted to give y'all a full picture of my schedule here um, as I am kind of moving forward. This is going to be an October schedule, and a couple of things I want to warn you about. First of all, we've got some plan for Halloween night here. The day of Halloween itself. Now, those aren't all finalized yet, so think of this, what I'm about to show you, as kind of a, a rough roadmap so that y'all can kind of screen cap this and then take this with you and you'll know kind of what games we're playing on what days um what things are going to be happening gem says can we make harry potter earlier um possibly i'm not against it um i think this time has been working out pretty well so far but i'm certainly not against it uh, but folks here is this i hope you enjoy this i'm going to be showing this again later so if you don't get it all don't worry about it, but I would say go ahead and screen cap this. I am going to be putting it up in Discord as well. Um, but this is to give you an idea of kind of what's coming for the month of October. Um, some of y'all might have seen the channel that I've been uh, hosting recently. We've done a, a raid over there as well. Uh, Arkrat has kind of inspired me to make my schedule a little bit more clear. And uh, Mama Cass was really instrumental in kind of saying like, hey, we should really like actually plan something out here and get something established. So there you are. Uh, here is this, and I hope that you are, uh, I hope you'll, you'll have a chance to kind of, you know, capture this and bring it with you. Like I said, I'll be showing it again later. But for now, let's get it out of here. We're here in the library. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the picture frame is relatively new. I do feel like it gives me a good Hogwarts feel. But, uh, folks, I hope you will, uh, you'll take that with you, and you can see what's going to be happening with Sidecar in the next month. Now, y'all know what's coming, right? You know what my question's going to be? If you don't buy now, you haven't been paying attention. Either that or maybe you're coming from the, uh, <laughs> uh, Memento Mori, hello and welcome. Maybe you were coming from the, uh, from the VODs and this is the first time you've ever watched live. Maybe you've skipped through the other stuff before. Those of you who are here and know, you know. The question is, what happened last week? Oh, hold on. So we got something extra from Hogwarts Hippie. So uh, Baby Zay is wondering, what's Minecraft HP? So that is uh, Harry Potter Minecraft. There is a group that has done, um, uh, they're called the Flu Network, and they have done a special kind of mod-ish. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Actually, frankly, it's less complicated, but it's more complicated to explain. Um, it is a, a mod for Harry Potter. They have done some just jaw-dropping building uh, for that. And I will be putting, uh, like, a trailer that they've put together for their their um, uh, for their sort of system. Um, I'll put, be putting that up on the Discord so y'all can see what exactly is kind of coming next. I am going to try and kind of keep myself blind to it as much as I can. We've tried to do some other planning as well because I've got some other ideas in addition to the game that goes along with it. But, essentially, we are going to be playing through some fantastic locations and uh, uh, and sort of quests that happen inside the Harry Potter universe using Minecraft. Um, I've played a decent bit of Minecraft in the past, and I've enjoyed it a lot, um, and the work that the Flu Network has done is incredible, so I'm very much looking forward to trying that out. 
Uh, I plan to make it a weekly series for, for the time being. I don't know exactly how long it is, so we're just going to kind of go until we've wrung everything we can out of it, and then I've got some additional plans for it, perhaps, after that. Memento's just caught up after months of listening on YouTube. Fantastic. And Doom Rider, you made it! I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I could get to you. Uh, let's see... Uh, but yes, okay, so back to Hogwarts Hippie. So Hogwarts Hippie and Shotzi have put together a very, very good, um, it's, let's see, I believe it's two pages. It's um, a nice little um, sidecar snooze, and I plan to be reading that. I'm going to do a first pass at it, um, sort of to match my other sidecar snooze. Um, essentially, just kind of put the voices together, do a good, get a solid recording of it, and then I want to go back later and do kind of a a special version of it um and uh eventually that will be up on the channel i am yeah i think you should be proud of yourself hogwarts hippie um that went it, it's a fantastic little scene and i'm very much looking forward to uh reading that and having y'all get a chance to see it but i'm also excited to hear that there is more on the way i did not anticipate it would be so soon yes samwell says it sounds like it will be amazing i think it will indeed Timberwolf says, Sam, can I just say, uh, as an English person, your accents are really good. I'm from Bristol, where people sound like Hagrid. So glad to have caught up. Fantastic. I always love hearing from folks across the pond, uh, or anywhere, frankly, that my representation of their, um, you know, their uh, dialects from their area are decent. Um, we talked a little bit during the AMA. Uh, <laughs> Hogwarts Hippie, I feel really good about singing a lullaby. I would absolutely do it. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind singing at all. I'll sing in any of the voices. As a matter of fact, it sounds like a lot of fun and really good practice. Um, but speaking of practice, yeah, during the AMA we talked about how at, at some point, you know, I'd started with like Pepe Le Pew and Shrek, sort of imitating those voices, and I eventually realized, oh, like there are folks in the world who talk like this, and this is the way that they. Um, uh, this is the way that they sort of that I should say that they sort of wrap their their culture around English. Um, I I can't say that I'm studied in many of the languages that I tend to uh, pick up dialects from, but um, I sort of realized like this is something that deserves to have some justice done to it. So I've done some studying. I've I have uh, tried to cover the big ones first, but Gems says you do need to do a Romanian accent, which that one so as you get into some of the finer ones between uh you know certain areas uh you know the the english speaking ones like the uk sometimes those like the finer points between like london and liverpool you can start to find your way around those when it starts to get into other parts of the world i start to have more trouble but it sounds like an excellent challenge and i would love to give it a shot <laughs> Ugh, 17 <laughs> welcome by the way i think that's a new name i haven't seen in here before but ugh, 17 says uh, I know we still have a bunch of chapters left, but I'm going to be kind of sad when HP ends. I am as well. I certainly am as well. Um, you know, being able to see over on the left hand of my PDF here, I can see all the chapters in a row. So I can see where we're at now, and I can see chapter 37 as well. Um, which Hazel, I speak, I can speak some Spanish. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with Spanish. I'm not great for sure. Uh, and I frankly I haven't practiced much in a long time, but uh, yeah, I'm alright with Spanish. Okay, Doom Riders wondering what's our next book after Harry Potter. It is going to be Percy Jackson and the uh, the Olympians, I believe, is the sort of overall title. Although I just have known them as the Percy Jackson books for a long time. Um, I have already gotten started on my sort of uh, my test reads with 
with Mama Cass, working on different voices. I have got to be honest with y'all. Harry Potter, the voice is great because it's distinctive. You can tell exactly when I'm speaking for Harry and exactly when I'm narrating. It's a little tougher when I'm trying to deal with a just a younger American voice. So if y'all have got ideas for specifically Percy himself, I would love to hear them. Go ahead and put them in Discord. Um, the uh, Put them in the Percy Jackson discussion. Um, that's that's going to be a, a great place to have those talks and you can uh you can put all of your casting suggestions there i've just put the link in in uh in the twitch chat right now and charlie 101 says first time i caught you live welcome good to have you here <laughs> uh i have loved doing the work so i appreciate it thanks for stopping in i don't know if you're sticking around if you're just uh popping in to say hi but thanks very much for being here um and there was another new name somebody i hadn't seen before um no i've seen magic eight ball never mind I've seen you before. Welcome back. <laughs> okay, folks, it's officially time. Last week, chapters, uh, let's see, 12 and 13. Chapter 12, Magic is Might, and chapter 13, the Muggle-Born Registration Committee. Now, I don't know how these sort of pairings have worked so perfectly. Um, we tend to kind of like, we do like maybe three at the beginning when they're a little shorter, and then, it, you know, we end up at around two chapters a week, etc. But oftentimes they're just paired really well. For instance, last week we covered the entirety of the sequence of breaking into the Ministry of Magic. Now, this was no small undertaking for Ron, Harry, and Hermione. They don't have backup right now. Even some of their old friends, like Lupin, they've had disagreements with before. Others, they simply can't get into contact with, like the Weasleys, because they're being monitored. They're being um, uh, monitored, surveilled, is the one I'm working, looking for. Um, being, <laughs> yeah, Mama Cass will tell you how the, <laughs> how the New York accent went. Eh. Um, the... Uh, uh, thanks, Magic. Hey, Paul, I appreciate it. Um, the Ministry of Magic is pretty well defended, and at this point, it is almost entirely controlled by, not almost entirely populated by, but almost entirely controlled by Death Eaters and those who are affiliated with Voldemort. It's not a great situation, but Harry, Ron, and Hermione have this idea that, well, we know that, uh, because of the chapter previously, um, someone we know confiscated the locket from um, uh, from Mundungus Fletcher, and I cannot find her name right now. I've, it, it has just decided to relabel itself Batilda Bagshot, even though that's absolutely not it. Um, um, Umbridge, Dolores Umbridge, good lord. Um, <laughs> Umbridge, man, she's the worst. Thank you, Timberwolf and uh, Leah. But yes, yeah, so if Umbridge has got the locket, they're probably going to have to go to the ministry to get to her. So, they disguise themselves as some folks. They plan for weeks and weeks. Um, you okay? Just here, <laughs> clinking around in the kitchen. I think she's heating up some food. They plan for weeks and weeks, and they break in. And if you want all the details, you'll have to go back and watch the VOD, because it's a fairly complicated couple of chapters, but... They see a couple of big things. First of all, there are some changes here at the Ministry. It seems that um, the, the sort of anti-Muggle sentiment, or at the very least the, like, um, sort of... You can compare it to nationalism a little bit, but the, the uh, foundationless um, uh, statement and insistence that magic users are superior in every way 
Um, they can see that reflected in the new statue that has replaced the fountain. Um, they can see that in a lot of the attitudes of the co-workers. They can see that there is a general sense of fear among those who are not Death Eaters because they don't know who in the ministry might be a Death Eater and might, uh, you know, call into question their family line. There has been a new initiative, I put that in quotes because it's a, you know, uh, frankly it's a... It's a um, uh, sort of a, a fascist um, weeding out program uh, called the Muggle-Born Registration Committee, in which uh, they are uh, they they want a list of all of the Muggle-Born magic users. Um, they are collecting these folks, and not only that, they don't just want the list, but they are claiming that Muggleborns must have stolen their magic somehow, that they can't possibly have gained magic without having magical parents. Remember, this all goes back to that, again, foundationless uh, statement about bloodlines and uh, blood purity being in any way significant. Um, if there's one thing we know about Hermione especially, it's just not that important, is it? Turns out it's uh, how hard you work at it in a lot of cases. Um, what we have uh, is a, a ministry just about entirely overrun. They are sneaking around. They are polyjuiced up as, as a trio of ministry employees, and they end up finding uh, two things. First of all, Mad-Eye Moody's eye. It has been affixed to Umbridge's door, which indicates they found, uh, found Mad-Eye's body before the the um, uh, the Order of the Phoenix was able to. Not only that, but also uh, they find the locket itself. It's on Umbridge's person, and they make a lot of noise on their way out, getting that thing out of there. They manage to free some Muggleborns in the process and tell them to go into hiding. Um, and we end our last chapter from last week with a um, uh, a sort of surprise, a a very quick uh, disapparation. The uh, the challenge has been trying to get away without being spotted, and this time they don't quite manage it. And we are just about to find out what exactly happens as a result. Hogwarts Hippie says, that hurt my heart. Uh, referencing, I assume, um, the Mad-Eye Moody incident, his friends couldn't even lay him to rest properly. And yes, indeed. I think, frankly, it's... Uh, <laughs> Um, if I, I I do wonder a little bit if it makes you feel any better, I do wonder if Mad Eye Moody was such a person as would prefer uh, such a person who would think if I died in a scenario so peaceful and mundane that my friends got a chance to bury me, I wasn't doing my job very well. That's kind of I, I think that might have been how how Mad Eye would would think of things. Timberwolf says it's kind of Orwellian vibe with the Muggleborn interrogation. I know exactly what you mean, Timberwolf, and I think you are completely right. Um, uh, we we talked a little bit about um, you know like fascist action and um, how they try to sort of hijack education and and reteach some things. And boy, in the week since we discussed that, there's been some news, hasn't there? Keep an eye on things, folks, and vote. If you're not registered right now, make sure you're on your way there. Um, and uh, I think voting by mail is going to be a pretty clean way to go this year. This this uh, this year, certainly a lot less chance you're going to be outside getting sick. So, folks, let us begin. I believe it's time. 
I want to thank you all for being here today. And one additional reminder, unfortunately, just a quick... Uh, uh, a quick additional note, unfortunately Twitch has gone the way of adding random ad breaks unless I have recently run one. So what that means is at the halftime show here, um, just during the during the halftime break, I'm going to be running one just so y'all aren't surprised by it, but it's so that we don't get interrupted in the middle of our second chapter for the night. Hogwarts Hippie, no problem at all. Let's do this. Let's do this, folks. I am very glad to have y'all here. I get excited for these every week. <laughs> Chapter 14 The Thief Harry opened his eyes and was dazzled by gold and green. He had no idea what had happened. He only knew he was lying on what seemed to be leaves and twigs. Struggling to draw breath into his lungs that felt flattened, he blinked and realized that the gaudy glare was sunlight streaming through a canopy of leaves far above him. Then an object twitched close to his face. He pushed himself onto his hands and knees, ready to face some small, fierce creature, but saw that the object was Ron's foot. Looking around, Harry saw that they and Hermione were lying on a forest floor, apparently alone. Harry's first thought was of the Forbidden Forest, and for a moment, even though he knew how foolish and dangerous it would be for them to appear on the grounds of Hogwarts, his heart leapt at the thought of sneaking through the trees to Hagrid's hut. However, in the first few moments that it took for Ron to give a low groan and Harry to start crawling toward him, he realized that this was not the Forbidden Forest. The trees looked younger. They were more widely spaced. The ground was clearer. He met Hermione, also on her hands and knees, at Ron's head. The moment his eyes fell upon Ron, all other concerns fled Harry's mind, for blood drenched the whole of, Harry, of Ron's left side, and his face stood out, grayish-white, against the leaf-strewn earth. The polyjuice potion was wearing off now. Ron was halfway between Cattermole and himself in appearance his hair turning redder and redder as his face drained of the little color it had left. "'What's happened to him?' "'Splinched,' said Hermione, her fingers already busy at Ron's sleeve where the blood was wettest and darkest. Harry watched, horrified, as she tore open Ron's shirt. He had always thought of splinching as something comical, but this... His insides crawled unpleasantly as Hermione laid bare Ron's upper arm, where a great chunk of flesh was missing, scooped cleanly away as though by a knife. Harry, quickly, in my bag there's a small bottle labeled Essence of Dittany. Bag? Uh, right. Harry sped to the place where Hermione had landed, seized the tiny beaded bag and thrust his hand inside it. At once, object after object began presenting itself to his touch, he felt the leather spines of books, woolly sleeves of jumpers, heels of shoes. Quickly! He grabbed his wand from the ground and pointed it into the depths of the magical bag. Accio Dittany! A small brown bottle zoomed out of the bag. He caught it and hastened back to Hermione and Ron, whose eyes were now half-closed, 
strips of white eyeball, all that were visible between his lids. He's fainted, said Hermione, who also looked rather pale. She no longer looked like Mafalda, though her hair was still grey in places. Unstop it for me, Harry. My hands are shaking. Harry wrenched the stopper off the little bottle. Hermione took it and poured three drops of the potion onto the bleeding wound. Greenish smoke billowed upward, and when it had cleared, Harry saw that the bleeding had stopped. The wound now looked several days old. New skin stretched over what had just been open flesh. Wow, said Harry. It's all that I feel safe doing, said Hermione shakily. There are spells that would put him completely right, but I daren't try in case I do them wrong and cause more damage. He's lost so much blood already. How did he get hurt? I mean... Harry shook his head, trying to clear it, trying to make sense of what had just happened. Why are we here? I thought we were going back to Grimald Place. Hermione took a deep breath. She looked close to tears. Harry, I, I don't think we're going to be able to go back there. What do you... As we disapparated, Yaxley caught hold of me and I... I couldn't get rid of him. He was too strong. And he was still holding on when he arrived at Grimald Place. And then, well, I think he must have seen the door and thought we were stopping there too. So he slackened his grip and I managed to shake him off and I brought us here instead. But then where's he? Hang on. You don't mean that he's at Grimald Place. He can't get in there. Her eyes sparkled with unshed tears. And she nodded. Harry, I think he can. I, I, I forced him to let go with the revulsion jinx, but I'd already taken him inside the Finelius charms as protection. Since Dumbledore died, we're secret keepers, so I've given him the secret, haven't I? There was no pretending. Harry was sure she was right. It was a serious blow. If Yaxley could now get inside the house, there was no way they could return. Even now, he could be bringing other Death Eaters there by apparition. Gloomy and oppressive though the house was, it had been their one safe refuge. Even now that Creature was so much happier and friendlier, a kind of home. With a twinge of regret that had nothing to do with food, Harry imagined the house-elf busying himself over the steak and kidney pie that Harry, Ron, and Hermione would never eat. Harry, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't, don't be stupid. It wasn't your fault. If anything, it was mine. Harry put his hand into his pocket and drew out Mad-Eye's eye. Hermione recoiled, looking horrified. Umbridge had it stuck to her office door to spy on people. I couldn't leave it there. But that's how they knew there were intruders. Before Hermione could answer, Ron groaned and opened his eyes. He was still grey and his face glistened with sweat. How do you feel? Hermione whispered. Oh, lousy croaked Ron, wincing as he felt his injured arm. Where are we? 
in the woods, somewhere near where they held the Quidditch World Cup, said Hermione. I wanted somewhere closer, undercover, and this was... Oh, excuse me. I wanted somewhere enclosed, undercover, and this was... The first place that you thought of. Harry finished for her, glancing around at the apparently deserted glade. He could not help remembering what had happened the last time they had apparated to the first place Hermione had thought of. How Death Eaters had found them within minutes. Had it been legitimacy? Did Voldemort or his henchmen know, even now, where Hermione had taken them? You reckon that that we should move on? Ron asked Harry, and Harry could tell by the look on Ron's face that he was thinking the same. I don't know. Ron still looked pale and clammy. He made no attempt to sit up, and it looked as though he were too weak to do so. The prospect of moving was daunting. That's a good thought, Iroh. I hadn't thought of that. Let's stay here for now, Harry said. Looking relieved, Hermione sprang to her feet. Where are you going? asked Ron. If we're staying here, we should put up some protective enchantments around the place, she replied, and raising her wand, she began to walk in a wide circle around Harry and Ron, murmuring incantations as she went. Harry saw little disturbances in the surrounding air. It was as if Hermione had cast a heat haze upon their clearing. Salvio Hexia, Protego Totalum, Repello Muggleton, Muffliato. You could get the tent, Harry. Tent? In the bag. In the... Of course, said Harry. He did not bother to grope around inside at this time, but instead used another summoning charm. Death Metal Dahlia. Hey, welcome to Scooter Patrol. The tent emerged in a lumpy mass of canvas. Rope, poles. Harry recognized it partly because of the smell of cats. At the same time... uh, Oh, excuse me. As the same tent in which they had slept on the night of the Quidditch World Cup. I thought this belonged to that bloke Perkins in the Ministry. He asked and started to disentangle the tent pegs. Apparently he didn't want it back, his lumbago's so bad, said Hermione, now performing a complicated figure-eight movement with her wand. So Ron's dad said that I could borrow it. Erecto, she added, pointing her wand at the misshapen canvas, which in one fluid motion rose into the air and settled, fully constructed, onto the ground before Harry, out of whose startled hands a tent peg soared to land with a final thud at the end of a guy rope. Cave inimicium. Hermione finished with an upward flourish. That's as much as I can do. At the very least, we should know that they're coming. I can't guarantee it will keep out vote. Don't say the name! Ron cut across her, his voice harsh. Harry and Ron looked at each other. I'm sorry, said Ron, moaning a little as he raised himself to look at them. Oh, but it feels like a a jinx or something. Can't we call him you-know-who, please? Dumbledore said that fear of a name, began Harry. In case you hadn't noticed, mate, calling him you-know-who, well, calling him by his name, didn't do Dumbledore much good in the end, Ron snapped back. Just show you know who some respect, will you? Respect, Harry repeated, but Hermione shot him a warning look. 
Apparently, he was not to argue with Ron while the latter was in such a weakened condition. Harry and Hermione, half-carried, half-dragged Ron through the entrance of the tent. The interior was exactly as Harry remembered it. A small flat, complete with bathroom and tiny kitchen. He shoved aside an old armchair and lowered Ron carefully into the lower berth of a bunk bed. Even this very short journey had turned Ron whiter still, and once they had settled him on the mattress, he closed his eyes again and did not speak for a while. I'll make some tea, said Hermione breathlessly, pulling kettle and mugs from the depths of her bag and heading toward the kitchen. Harry found the hot drink as welcome as the fire whiskey had been on the night that Mad-Eye had died. It seemed to burn away a little of the fear fluttering in his chest. After a minute or two, Ron broke the silence. What, what do you reckon happened to the catamoles? With any luck, they'll have got away, said Hermione, clutching her hot mug for comfort. As long as Mr. Catamo had his wits about him, he'll have transported Mrs. Catamo by side-along apparition, and they'll be fleeing the country right now, with their children. That's what Harry told her to do. Blimey, I hope they've escaped, said Ron, looking back at the pillows behind him and leaning on them for support. The tea seemed to be doing him some good. A little of his color had returned. I didn't get the feeling that Reg Catamore was all that quick-witted, though. The way that everyone was talking to me when I was him. God, I hope they made it. If they both end up in Azkaban because of us... Harry looked over at Hermione and the question he had been about to ask, about whether Mrs. Cattermole's lack of a wand would prevent her from apparating alongside her husband, died in his throat. Hermione was watching Ron fret over the fate of the Cattermoles, and there was such tenderness in her expression that Harry felt almost as if he had surprised her in the act of kissing him. So, have you got it? Harry asked her, partly to remind her that he was there. Got, got what? She said with a little start. What, what do we just go through all that for? The locket? Where's the locket? You got it? Shouted Ron, raising himself a little higher on his pillows. Nobody tells me anything. Blimey, you could have mentioned it. Well, we were running for our lives from the Death Eaters, weren't we? Said Hermione. Here. And she pulled the locket out of the pocket of her robes and handed it to Ron. It was as large as a chicken's egg. An ornate letter S, inlaid with many small green stones, glinted dully in the diffused light shining through the tense canvas roof. There isn't any chance someone's destroyed it since Creature had it, said Ron hopefully. I mean, are we sure that it's still a Horcrux? I think so, said Hermione, taking it back from him and looking at it closely. There would be some kind of damage if it had been if it had been magically destroyed. She passed it to Harry, who turned it over in his fingers. The thing looked perfect. Pristine. He remembered the mangled remains of the diary, how the stone in the Horcrux ring had cracked open when Dumbledore destroyed it. I reckon that creature's right, said Harry. We're going to have to work out how to open this thing before we can destroy it. Sudden awareness of what he was holding. 
of what lived behind the little golden doors hit Harry as he spoke. Even after all of their efforts to find it, he felt a violent urge to fling the locket from him. Mastering himself again, he tried to prise the locket apart with his fingers, then attempted to charm oh, then attempted the charm Hermione had used to open Regulus's bedroom door. Neither worked. He handed the locket back to Ron and Hermione, neither of whom were able to open it, though each of them did their best. Can you feel it, though? Ron asked in a hushed voice as he held it tight in his clenched fist. What do you mean? Ron passed the horcrux to Harry. After a moment or two, Harry thought he knew what Ron meant. Was it his own blood pulsing through his veins that he could feel? Or was something beating inside the locket, like a tiny metal heart? What are we going to do with it? Hermione asked. Keep it safe until we work out how to destroy it, Harry replied, and, little though he wanted to, he hung the chain around his own neck, dropping the locket out of sight beneath his robes, where it rested against his chest, beside the pouch Hagrid had given him. Swan song. Thanks for the follow. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. I think we should take it in turns to keep watch outside the tent, he added to Hermione, standing up and stretching. We'll need to think about some food as well. You stay here, he added sharply, as Ron attempted to sit up and turned a nasty shade of green. With the sneakoscope Hermione had given Harry for his birthday sat carefully upon the table in the tent, Harry and Hermione spent the rest of the day sharing the role of lookout. However, the sneakoscope remained silent and still, on its point all day, and whether because of the protective enchantments and muggle-repelling charms Hermione had spread around them, or because people rarely ventured this way, their patch of wood remained deserted, apart from occasional birds and squirrels. The evening brought no change. Harry lit his wand as he swapped places with Hermione at ten o'clock and looked out upon a deserted scene, noting the bats fluttering high above him across the single patch of starry sky visible from their protected clearing. He felt hungry now, and a little light-headed. Hermione had not packed any food in her magical bag as she had assumed they would be returning to Grimald Place that night so they had nothing to eat except some wild mushrooms Hermione had collected from the nearest of the trees and stewed in a billy can. After a couple of mouthfuls, Ron had pushed his portion away, looking queasy. Harry had only persevered so as not to hurt Hermione's feelings. The surrounding silence was broken by odd rustlings and what sounded like crackings of twigs. Harry thought that they were caused by animals rather than people, yet he kept his wand held tight at the ready. His insides, already uncomfortable due to their inadequate helping of rubbery mushrooms, tingled with unease. He had thought he would feel elated if they managed to steal back the Horcrux, but somehow he did not. All he felt as he sat looking out into the darkness, of which his wand lit only a tiny part, was worry about what would happen next. It was as though he had been hurtling toward this point for weeks, months, maybe even years, but now he had come to an abrupt halt, 
run out of road. There were other Horcruxes out there somewhere, but he did not have the faintest idea where they might be. He didn't even know what all of them were. Meanwhile, he was at a loss to know how to destroy the only one that they had found, the Horcrux that currently lay against the bare flesh of his chest. Curiously, it had not taken the heat from his body, but lay so cold against his skin it might have just emerged from icy water. From time to time, Harry thought, or perhaps imagined, that he could feel the tiny heartbeat ticking irregularly alongside his own. Nameless forebodings crept upon him as he sat there in the dark. He tried to resist them, pushed them away, and yet they came at him relentlessly. Neither can live while the other survives. Ron and Hermione, now talking softly behind him in the tent, could walk away if they wanted to. He could not. And it seemed to Harry, as he sat there trying to master his own fear and exhaustion, that the horcrux against his chest was ticking away what time he had left. Stupid idea, he told himself. Don't think that. His scar was starting to prickle again. He was afraid he was making it happen by having these thoughts and tried to direct them at another channel. He thought of poor creature, who had expected them home and had received Yaxley instead. Would the elf keep silent, or would he tell the Death Eater everything that he knew? Harry wanted to believe that he would be loyal now, but who knew what would happen? What if the Death Eaters tortured the elf? Sick images swarmed into Harry's head, and he tried to push these away too, for there was nothing he could do for Creature. He and Hermione had already decided against trying to summon him. What if someone from the Ministry came too? They could not count on elfish apparition being free of the same flaw that had taken Yaxley to Grimald Place on the hem of Hermione's sleeve. Harry's scar was burning now. He thought there was so much they didn't know. Lupin had been right about the magic they had never encountered or imagined. Why hadn't Dumbledore explained more? He... had he thought there would be time? That he would live for years, for centuries perhaps, like his net friend, Nicholas Flamel? If so, he had been wrong. Snape had seen to that. Snape, the sleeping snake, who had struck at the top of the tower. And Dumbledore had fallen. Fallen. Give it to me, Grigorovich. Harry's voice was high, clear, and cold, his wand held in front of him by a long-fingered white hand. The man at whom he was pointing was suspended upside down in midair. Though there were no ropes holding him, he swung there, invisibly and eerily bound, his arms wrapped around him, his terrified face on level with Harry's, ruddy due to the blood that had rushed to his head. He had pure white hair and a thick, bushy beard, a trussed-up Father Christmas. I have it not. I have it no more. It was many years ago stolen from me. Do not lie to Lord Voldemort Grigorovich. He knows. He always knows. 
The hanging man's pupils were wide, dilated with fear, and they seemed to swell bigger and bigger until their blackness swallowed Harry whole. And now Harry was hurrying along a dark corridor in stout little Grigorovich's wake as he held a lantern aloft. Grigorovich burst into the room at the end of the passage, and his lantern illuminated what looked like a workshop. Wood shavings and gold gleamed on the swinging light. And there was the window ledge. And upon it sat, perched like a giant bird, a young man with golden hair. In the split second that the lantern's light illuminated him, Harry saw the delight upon this handsome face. Then the intruder shot a stunning spell from his wand and jumped neatly backward out of the window with a crow of laughter. And Harry was hurtling back out of those wide, tunnel-like pupils, and Grigorovich's face was stricken with terror. Who was the thief, Grigorovich? the high, cold voice. I do not know. I never know. The young man, no, please, please. A scream that went on and on, and then a burst of green light. Harry! Harry opened his eyes, panting, his forehead throbbing. He had passed out against the side of the tent. It slid sideways down the canvas. It was sprawled on the ground. He looked up at Hermione, whose bushy hair obscured the tiny patch of sky visible through the dark branches high above them. Dream, he said, sitting up quickly and attempting to meet Hermione's glower with a look of innocence. I must have dozed off, sorry. I, I know that it was your scar. I can tell by the look on your face. You were looking into the... Don't say his name! came Ron's angry voice from the depths of the tent. Fine, retorted Hermione. You know who's mind, then? I didn't mean it to happen, Harry said. It was a dream. Can you control what you dream about, Hermione? If you had just learned to apply occlumency. But Harry was not interested in being told off. He wanted to discuss what he had just seen. He's found Grigorovich, Hermione, and I think he's killed him. But before he killed him... He read Grigorovich's mind, and I saw... I think I'd better take over the watch if you're so tired that you're falling asleep, said Hermione coldly. I can finish the watch. No, you're obviously exhausted. Go lie down. She dropped down in the mouth of the tent, looking stubborn. Angry, but wishing to avoid a row, Harry ducked back inside. Ron's still pale face was poking out from under the lower bunk. Harry climbed into the one above him, lay down and looked up at the dark canvas ceiling. After several moments, Ron spoke in a voice so low that it would not carry to Hermione, huddled in the entrance. What's you know who doing? Harry screwed up his eyes in the effort to remember every detail, and then whispered into the darkness. He found Grigorovich. He had him tied up. He was torturing him. How's Grigorovich supposed to make him a new wand if he's tied up? I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Harry closed his eyes, thinking of all he had seen and heard. 
The more he recalled, the less sense that it made. Voldemort had said nothing about Harry's wand. Nothing about the twin cores, nothing about Grigorovich making a new and more powerful wand to beat Harry's. He wanted something from Grigorovich, Harry said, eyes still closed tight. He asked him to hand it over, but Grigorovich said that it had been stolen from him, and then... And then... He remembered how he, as Voldemort, had seemed to hurtle through Grigorovich's eyes into his memories. He read Grigorovich's mind. And I saw this young bloke perched on a windowsill. He fired a curse at Grigorovich and jumped out of sight. He stole it. He stole whatever you know who was after. And I, I, I think I've seen him somewhere. Harry wished he had gotten another glimpse of the laughing boy's face. The theft had happened many years ago, according to Grigorovich. Why did the young thief look so familiar? Thief. The noise of the surrounding woods were muscled inside the... Muscled? Excuse me? Uh, I'm the noise. I'm so sorry. The noises of the surrounding woods were muffled inside the tent. All Harry could hear was Ron's breathing. After a while, Ron whispered, Couldn't you see what the thief was holding? No, it must have been something small. Harry? The wooden slats of Ron's bunk creaked as he repositioned himself in bed. Harry, you don't reckon that you know who is after something else to turn into a Horcrux? I don't know, said Harry slowly. Maybe. But wouldn't it be dangerous for him to make another one? Didn't Hermione say he'd pushed his soul to the limit already? Yeah, but maybe he doesn't know that. Maybe, said Harry. He had been sure that Voldemort had been looking for a way around the problem of the twin cores. Sure that Voldemort sought a solution from the old wand maker. And yet he had killed him, apparently without asking a single question about wand lore. What was Voldemort trying to find? Why, with the Ministry of Magic and the Wizarding World at his feet, was he far away? intent on the pursuit of an object that Grigorovich had once owned and which had been stolen by an unknown thief. Harry could still see the blonde-haired youth's face. It was merry, wild. There was a Fred and George-ish air of triumphant trickery about him. He had soared from the windowsill like a bird and Harry had seen him before, but he could not think where. With Grigorovich dead, it was the merry-faced thief who was in danger now, and it was on him that Harry's thoughts dwelled, as Ron's snores began to rumble from the lower bunk, and as he himself drifted slowly into sleep once more. And that, believe it or not, is the end of our first chapter for the night. That felt quick, right? Never you fear. The second chapter is a longer one. Don't worry about it. You'll get your, you're going to get your fix tonight, folks. Don't you worry one bit. But that is the end of our first chapter. The Deet Heater. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a short one. Yeah, the next one definitely makes up for it. Never you fear. Um, but, folks, I hope you're all doing well. Doesn't it feel weird not to have tuna in here tonight? Doesn't that feel weird? It feels weird to me. Um, 
But uh, Book and Hook, hello. Good to see you popping in and out. Um, yeah, it did feel like a really quick one, didn't it? Um, I am going to use this opportunity, of course, to take my break. Um, I'm going to give y'all another quick uh, flash of my schedule for the next month. As I have said before, I'll be posting this elsewhere. Um, but consider this just a uh, kind of a rough outline. Here is this for you. You should still be able to hear me. Hopefully this does not alter that. But go ahead and screenshot this. Do it. Screen screen shoot. Do that screen shooting. Um it is, it's always good to have Mama Cass in, Hogwarts Hippie. Indeed. Yeah, usually she is, uh, she's occupied. She has already, you know, listened to all this before, of course, um, because she is the one on whom I tested most of these voices. Most of my test drive was with, uh, um, with Mama Cass. I mean, frankly, all of it was. I, I can't think of a single, I don't think I read it other than that. <laughs> uh, at least not out loud. Uh, while you were reading, I think it was still showing the label for chapter 13. I could have sworn I fixed it. All right. Oh, it was. Rats. I could have sworn I did it. Okay, well, let me get it set up for our next chapter anyway, um, which is going to be chapter 15, which is called The Goblin's Revenge. And this feels weird because I know y'all can see my face and I can't see my face right now. All right, there's that, and uh, let's see. You know what? I'll do the I'll do this in the background. Meanwhile, folks, what do you think of the chapter that we just read? Um, I know that's a really broad question. Um, not a lot of time for chatter breaks in there. Timberwolf says, "Man, I gotta hit the hay. Gotta work in the morning." Much love, everyone. Thanks, Sam. The spirit of big tuna <laughs> flows through us all. Peace out, indeed. Timberwolf, have a good one. Have a great night. And anyone else who has to duck out early, uh, you can go ahead and catch this here uh, for the next two weeks, or it will be on YouTube in one week, and then you can find it there kind of on into the future. If you are watching this on YouTube right now, if you were here for the premiere or you saw what time this premiered, come exactly 24 hours later over to Twitch, come back, and you can catch the live version. So... Thank you for everyone who likes watching on YouTube. And for everyone who's here with me right now, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Book and Hook says, told my daughter about Harry Potter Minecraft, so you'll have a new follower soon. Fantastic. I anticipate that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I played um, about, let's see, maybe 10 minutes of it, and I was blown away by the amount of detail. Um, I played just a little bit to make sure that... Um, uh, to make sure that it was going to be, you know, functional, that essentially just a, a test. Uh, but... It's going to be awesome, frankly. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Everyone, uh, thank you, Yellow. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, just a quick warning. I am going to run an ad because otherwise there's a chance we'll get interrupted later on. Sorry. Tweet at Twitch about it. <laughs> um, yeah, my green screen definitely does. It does its best. It does what it can. Uh, folks, I will see you all in about five minutes. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Bye-bye.
Hello everyone and welcome back. I am sorry, I uh Mama Cass reminded me I didn't leave y'all with a question at the end of that uh, uh or at the top of that break. What have I done? My terrible mistake. I'm very sorry, everyone. <laughs> um Yeah, I let's see. Uh <laughs> my husband nicknamed me when we were living in Germany. I see. And Shotzi is friend, if I remember correctly, like oh, something like little friend or something. Little friend or best friend, something like that. I want to say. Shotzi's German. Welcome back, Witch Hazel. Okay. Now, folks who are just joining in, and for anyone who doesn't know what this is, for someone who perhaps like Swan Song or uh, Death Metal Dahlia, who um. You know, maybe you are just coming here from YouTube. You probably know who I am already. If you are just dropping in from Twitch, however, hello. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. This particular show of mine is Flying Sidecar. It is a voice actor's venture through some books that we all love. Um, this particular series, Harry Potter, we are really in the sort of riper stages of, aren't we, folks? We have made a lot of progress on these. It's been an amazing trip so far, and uh, I hope you've all enjoyed it. Uh, if you are finding my channel for the first time here on Twitch, I welcome you. Um, I welcome lurkers, although I do love to uh, talk to chat about, you know, the, the different themes of the book, etc., all the characters, um, because they are some really fun stories to go through. Uh, Shotzi says, hey Sam, it's uh, darling slash treasure slash term of endearment in Germany. I got you. Um, Death Metal Dahlia. Yeah, I, I, I said it and then I realized like, no, Death Metal Dahlia has been around. Because I saw you mention um, there's like an alt account for somebody else that I already know. Anyway, Death Metal Dahlia, I know you've been here for a bit. But uh, yeah, for anybody who's just showing up now. I welcome you. Um, sit back and enjoy, or you can head over to YouTube. My channel's got the same name over there, and you can find the uh, the back episodes of this series. Holly says, hi, can't stay in long, but I wanted to hop in and say hi. Everyone say hi to Holly Rose. Holly Rose is the, uh, the one who is responsible for, A, uh, the one that I know her best for, um, the, uh, the art from this screen here. Bah! So thank you very much for that, Holly Rose. But also, apparently, I will be knowing you soon for uh, a story, something, something written, something. I, I guess I assumed written because Hogwarts Hippie is in there. I think it's written, right? But I'm very excited to see it. Apparently, there's something exciting going on, and I'm very excited to take a look. Um, but yeah, I hope you have a great night. Don't know how long you can say, but Holly, good to see you. Uh, Hogwarts Hippie confirms it's written. It's confirmed, folks. You heard it here first. All of your most updated Holly Rose, Hogwarts Hippie, Sidecar Stories news. Um, and uh, once again, I want to give a shout out to, because I don't know if Shotzi was in here before. I don't remember. I know Hogwarts Hippie was, but uh, another shout out to Hogwarts Hippie and Shotzi um, for the uh, the lovely couple of pages that you sent over for our next Sidecar Stews. I'm very excited. So, folks, with that, uh, let's give uh, any, any of our late joiners here. Uh, something to think about, shall we? What did we see last chapter? A quick review of what we saw last time, uh, just before the break. For anybody who's just joining in, doesn't want to get too far behind. 
Uh, Louis Allen says, yes, applause for the sidecar snooze writing. And I could not agree more. Um, we talked a little bit about, about it before. The big limiting factor for me on how frequently I can put out a sidecar snooze is that I write them myself. Um, I just say I wrote the first one myself and my intent was to write them myself. But now there's a very good one from uh, someone who is not me, from someone who is indeed Hogwarts Hippie and Shotzi. So uh, if anyone has uh, has stuff you would like me to read for, and this, you know what, this doesn't just go for um, Sidecar Snooze. I have talked about it a couple of times before. It seems like some people are even thinking like, oh no, that can't be true. It doesn't matter if you're, <laughs> I'm talking to one specific person, you know who you are. It doesn't matter if your little, uh, you know, animated piece or your, your short film needs narration or whatever. It doesn't matter if it's about toast. I genuinely would like to put some voices to it. Uh, depending on the size of the project, uh, you know, it might take me a while to uh, put it together, but I would love to put my voice on whatever projects y'all have going right now. I love collaborating and uh, I think it would be a lot of fun. So, Nitfa. Welcome. Good to see you. All right, folks. Uh, and yeah, if you want to, uh, if you've got, uh, let's see. Uh, Witch Hazel says, what sorts of things to read? I love writing slash finding new writing. Um, uh, honestly, anything that you are trying to put together and otherwise, you know what, if it's just something you want to kind of throw at the channel, like you have an idea like, hey, I've just got this sort of expanded universe thing that I wanted to throw in. I would love to put the voices that I've been using for Harry Potter in so far and uh, I could, you know, put it up on the channel so people can take a look at it. Otherwise, if you like, like, I, I'm totally fine with putting my voice to it and then giving that over to you. If you've got a channel you want to put it on, you can post it in Discord, etc. Um, but yeah, I would love to. I would love to do kind of any sorts of that stuff. I'm trying to put my voice on on lots of different things, basically. <laughs> no, says Iro. Oh boy. Okay. Destroyer, <laughs> which is a, I love the names y'all come up with. Um, uh, but uh, Destroyer. Welcome. It's good to have you here. Thanks for the follow, and welcome to Scooter Patrol. Um, for someone like Destroyer, who I don't know when you jumped in, but it's good to see you. Um, for perhaps those people who are just jumping in now, what happened in Chapter 14, titled The Thief? It's a bit of a shorter chapter. Um, we find ourselves immediately after Harry, Ron, and Hermione infiltrate the Ministry of Magic. They have just barely managed to get away alive, and it seems like maybe they're not entirely intact. Ron is bleeding heavily. It appears that Ron got splinched at some point, um, which is the uh, the term for when you disapparate, but you leave a piece of yourself behind. Now, it was chaos. Nobody can blame Hermione for what happened, but Hermione, uh, disapparating from the uh, Ministry of Magic, ends up at Grimald Place, where they intended to check in again before they had to go sort of out into the world. It doesn't seem like that's going to work because the Death Eater Yaxley had a hold on Hermione's robes as they disapparated, and they brought Yaxley along too. So much so that Yaxley very likely got a look inside Grimald Place, and as such, Grimald Place has fallen. It is no longer available as a hideout. Death Eaters now know the secret of Grimald Place because Harry, Ron, and Hermione were the secret keepers for it at this point. Or there were some secret keepers for it. Um, let's see. Uh, there is mention of uh, Creature as well. Indeed, uh, there's a, a couple of mentions here that Harry is just sort of thinking about what is Grimald Place going to be like now? It felt like home for a little bit. Now that 
creature had sort of come come around now that and frankly now that Harry had started treating creature well enough for creature to come around um, and he sort of has you know he wonders is creature going to be loyal to Harry now will he give up information to the Death Eaters Rowlett says I'm hoping creature realized what happened and disapparated in time possibly we don't know. Yeah, it's tough, and that's that is the that is the fear here. That is one of the big um, sort of uh, motifs of, uh, excuse me, um, uh, one of the big uh, sort of elements of these chapters here. Harry, Ron, and Hermione on the run. It's the not knowing that's so hard, isn't it? For Ron about his family, for Harry about his loved ones, um, uh, for all three of them about uh, just just not knowing where do they go next what is their mission right now they know what they ha- they know what they have to do but they don't know how to do it or where to go to accomplish it Barry Bethy says do they put house elves in Azkaban never even thought about that nor have I that is a good question uh, yeah I am not sure but um, Harry Ron and Hermione are out in the world they have a brief discussion about the um, uh, the locket, and they they essentially they decide you know what they are going to have to make camp here. They're out in the out in the forest near where um, the ministry nope uh, the Quidditch World Cup was held, um, and they decide they're just going to camp here for the night. Um, Hermione brought along camping gear, including the tent in which they had camped uh, back at the ministry. At, why do I keep doing that? Uh, back at the Quidditch World Cup. Um, They've got that same sort of tent that's bigger on the inside than the outside. And they are deciding what to do next. They don't know where to go. They don't have much food. And they need to stay hidden. Let's see how well that works for all of them. And as a final note, Harry sees, uh, after nodding off, trying to uh, keep watch, that Voldemort is looking for something that Grigorovich had, but seemingly not asking the questions Harry would have expected. Not asking about wand lore or why the twin cores are behaving in certain ways, just looking for something. A something that was apparently stolen by a young blonde thief sometime long, long ago. And I think that's where we'll get started. Folks, as usual, I would love to talk about anything you want to discuss. If you've got something you want to talk about, go ahead and put it into uh, chat. Um, Y'all obviously talk talk amongst yourselves as well, but uh, I would love to discuss them whenever we get the chance, um, either during chatter breaks, which we will probably have one or two in this chapter, or um, during our uh, during our post chapter. Thank you all so very much for being here. I love you. Let's keep going. Chapter 15, The Goblin's Revenge Early next morning, before the other two were awake, Harry left the tent to search the woods for the oldest, most gnarled and resilient-looking tree he could find. There in its shadow he buried Mad-Eye Moody's eye, and marked the spot by gouging a small cross in the bark with his wand. It was not much, but Harry felt that Mad-Eye would have preferred this to being stuck on Dolores Umbridge's door. 
Then he returned to the tent to wait for others to wake and discuss what they were going to do next. Harry and Hermione felt that it was best not to stay anywhere for too long, and Ron agreed, with the sole proviso that their next move took them within reach of a bacon sandwich. Hermione therefore removed the enchantments she had placed around the clearing, while Harry and Ron obliterated all the marks and impressions on the ground that might show that they had camped there, when they disapparated to the outskirts of a small market town. Once they had pitched the tent in the shelter of a small copse of trees and surrounded it with freshly cast defensive enchantments, Harry ventured out under the invisibility cloak to find sustenance. This, however, did not go as planned. He had barely entered the town when a sudden unnatural chill, a descending mist and a sudden darkening of the skies made him freeze where he stood. But you can make a brilliant Patronus, protested Ron when Harry arrived at the tent, empty-handed, out of breath, and mouthing the single word, Dementos. I couldn't make one. That's not Harry. I couldn't make one, he panted, clutching the stitch in his side. It wouldn't come. Their expressions of consternation and disappointment made Harry feel ashamed. It had been a nightmarish experience seeing the Dementors gliding out of the mist in the distance and realizing, as the paralyzing cold choked his lungs and a distant screaming filled his ears, that he would not be able to protect himself. It had taken all of Harry's willpower to uproot himself from the spot and run, leaving the eyeless Dementors to glide amidst the Muggles who might not be able to see them, but would assuredly feel the despair they cast whenever they went. So we still haven't got any food. Shut up, Ron, snapped Hermione. Harry, what happened? Why do you think you couldn't make your Patronus? You managed it perfectly yesterday. I don't know. He sat low in one of Perkins's old armchairs, feeling more humiliated by the moment. He was afraid that something had gone wrong inside him. Yesterday seemed like a long time ago. Today, he might have been 13 years old again. The only one who collapsed on the Hogwarts Express. Ron kicked a chair leg. What? He snarled at Hermione. I'm starving. All I've had since I bled after death is a couple of toadstools. You go and fight your way through Dementors then, said Harry, stung. I would put my arms in a sling if you hadn't noticed. That's convenient. And what's that supposed to... Oh, of course, cried Hermione, clapping a forehead... Nope, clapping a hand to her forehead and starting both of them into silence. Harry, give me the locket. Come on, she said impatiently, clicking her fingers at him when he did not react. The Horcrux, Harry, you're still wearing it. She held out her hands and Harry lifted the golden chain over his head. The moment it parted contact with Harry's skin, he felt free and oddly light. He had not even realized that he was clammy or that there were heavy weights pressing on his stomach until both sensations lifted. Better? asked Hermione. Yes, loads better. Harry? she said, crouching down in front of him and using the kind of voice he associated with visiting the very sick. You don't think you've been possessed, do you? What? 
No, he said defensively. I remember everything I've done since I've started wearing it. I wouldn't know what I'd done if I'd been possessed, would I? Jenny told me that there were times when she couldn't remember anything. Hmm, said Hermione, looking down at the heavy gold locket. Well, maybe we ought not to wear it. We can just keep it in the tent. We are not leaving that Horcrux lying around, Harry started firmly. If we lose it, if it gets stolen... All right, all right, said Hermione, and she placed it around her own neck and tucked it out of sight down the front of her shirt. But we'll take turns wearing it so nobody keeps it on too long. Great, said Ron irritably. Now that we've sorted that out, can we please get some food? Fine, but we'll have to go somewhere else to find it, said Hermione with a half-glance at Harry. There's no point in staying where we know Dementors are swooping around. In the end, they settled for the night in a far-flung field belonging to a lonely farm, from which they managed to obtain eggs and bread. It's not... Stealing, is it? asked Hermione in a troubled voice as they devoured scrambled eggs on toast. Not if I left some money under the chicken coop. Ron rolled his eyes and said, with his cheeks bulging, Hermione, you worry too much. Got to relax. And indeed, it was much easier to relax when they had complete... when. Let's try that again. And indeed, it was much easier to relax when they were comfortably well-fed. The argument about the Dementors was forgotten in laughter that night, and Harry felt cheerful, even hopeful, as he took the first three of the night of the... Oh, boy, oh boy. Here we go, gang! Here it goes! As he took the first of the three white... Oh, boy. Not white witches. Night watches. This was their first encounter, with the fact that a full stomach meant good spirits. An empty one, bickering and gloom. Harry was least surprised by this, because he had suffered periods of near starvation at the Dursleys. Hermione bore up reasonably well on those nights when they had managed to scavenge nothing but berries or stale biscuits, her temper perhaps a little shorter than usual, and her silences rather dour. Ron, however, had always been used to three delicious meals a day, courtesy of his mother or of the Hogwarts house-elves, and hunger made him both unreasonable and irascible. Whenever lack of food coincided with Ron's turn to wear the Horcrux, he became downright unpleasant. So, where next? was his constant refrain. He did not seem to have any ideas himself, but expected Harry and Hermione to come up with plans while he sat there and brooded over the low food supplies. Accordingly, Harry and Hermione spent fruitless hours trying to decide where they might find the other Horcruxes, and how to destroy the one they had already got. Their conversations becoming increasingly repetitive as they had no new information. As Dumbledore had told Harry that he believed Voldemort to have hidden the Horcruxes in places important to him, they kept reciting, in a sort of dreary litany, those locations they knew Voldemort had lived or visited. The orphanage where he had been born and raised. Hogwarts, where he had been educated. Borgen and Burks, where he had worked after completing school. Then Albania, where he had spent his years of exile. These formed the basis of their speculations. 
Yeah, let's go to Albania. Shouldn't take more than an afternoon to search an entire country, said Ron sarcastically. There can't be anything there. He'd already made five of his horcruxes before he went into exile, and Dumbledore was certain that the snake is the sixth, said Hermione. We know that the snake is not in Albania. It's usually with Voldemort. Didn't I tell you to stop saying that? Fine. The snake is usually with you-know-who. Are you happy? Not particularly. I can't see him hiding anything at Borgen and Burke's, said Harry, who had made this point many times before, but said it again simply to break the nasty silence. Borgen and Burke were experts at dark objects. They would have recognized the Horcrux straight away. Ron yawned pointedly. Repressing a strong urge to throw something at him, Harry plowed on. I still reckon he might have hidden something at Hogwarts. Hermione sighed. But Dumbledore would have found it, Harry. Harry repeated the argument he kept bringing out in favor of this theory. Dumbledore said in front of me he never assumed that he knew all of Hogwarts' secrets. I'm telling you, if there was a place that vault, Oi! You know who, then! Harry shouted. Goaded past endurance. If there was one place that was really important to you-know-who, it was Hogwarts. Oh, come on scoffed Ron. His school? Yes, his school. It was his first real home. The place that meant that he was special. It meant everything to him. And even after he left. This is about you-know-who, right? Not you, inquired Ron. He was tugging at the chain of the horcrux around his neck. Harry was visited by a desire to seize it and throttle him. You told us that you-know-who asked Dumbledore to give him the job after he left said Hermione. That's right, said Harry. And Dumbledore thought he only wanted to come back to try and find something, probably another founder's object, to make another Horcrux? Yes, said Harry. But he didn't get the job, did he? said Hermione. He never got the chance to find a founder's object there and hide it in the school. Okay, then, said Harry, defeated. Forget Hogwarts. And there's a chatter break for us, folks. I want to say thank you to uh, Shotzi and Memnite for, uh, you know, sliding those bits my way. And uh, Memnite, thank you very much for giving out that gift sub. It looks like Emma Shea got it. And uh, congratulations. Thank you very much, Memnite. Let's go back to the library for a moment. So we've got folks on the run, don't we? And a reminder, this is a spoiler-free zone in spite of the, the uh, questions we're about to ask. What is going on here? I've just got this weird spot of light down here. That's fine. My, my office behind me is on fire. Ignore it. Uh, oh, and it's just unpainted. It's just unpainted painting space because I am, after all, a portrait or something, right? Um, we've got a search. Spoiler free. What do we think Voldemort would have ha held important to him? I'm going to go have to put this music box down. Otherwise, it's going to make a lot of noise and I won't be able to control myself. I will simply fidget with it. Um... And Memnite, I am not sure. Uh, 25 gift subs. That's what it means. <laughs> it means you just hit 25 gift subs, which means that uh, you are you are just doling them out. Um, 
Mem Knight, we all thank you for your generosity. The uh, um, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the subscriptions, uh, it means a you won't have to see the ads that I have to run now, um, and uh, b uh, it means that I'm able to dedicate more of my time to streaming. So thank you very much, folks. And if you've got a an Amazon Prime subscription, you've actually got a free subscription to some Twitch channel if you wish. Um, you can use it on mine or somebody else who kind of improves your week, but. Uh, I hope you will take advantage of that. One reminder about those, you do have to renew them every month, unfortunately. They don't just carry on. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a really hard question not to answer, or excuse me, to answer without spoiling anything. But um, I don't know. Maybe we think we think of this in hypotheticals. Instead of um, you know specific spots, I think we can... Excuse me. Get my AC on for a second. It's warm. It's warmer than I was expecting today. Um, the... Uh, the, the places in which, what, what sorts of places, what types of places would Voldemort have felt most important, right? Where, where would he have, on what places would he have placed importance mentally? Um, uh, Jem says, I do agree with Harry about the Hogwarts idea. I think, I think Harry's right that, uh, about how important that was to, to Voldemort. I think, um, I would assume that, you know, maybe some of the first places that, uh, Voldemort had some sort of magical success would seem like a good location. Um, and, uh, maybe those places where he f was finally able to shuck off parts of his old life. I feel like th th those two things are the most important to him. Being special, um, being important, being significant in some way. Jazzy, thank you for the reminder. I appreciate it. Um, and expressing that most often via magic. Um, and then B, kind of separating himself from his ordinary origins. Um, so I wonder if, uh, you know, something related to his sort of, I don't know, his important um, heritage, I suppose? His important ancestry? He would certainly want to emphasize that. We've already seen a little bit of that with this, uh, with this locket here, haven't we? Gwendog, good thought. Excellent. Uh, and Hogwarts Hippie says, reminder to everyone that subs, etc. are discounted this month for September. That's true. Yeah, there's a there's a big um uh it's a big like essentially like site-wide discount on Twitch um for subs. So if you want to get in on the cheap, that's the spot to do it. Uh yeah, Shanigan says the cave was where he tormented kids in his orphanage. Yeah, so that was that was like a moment where sort of he made a plan and executed it. I think that would have been one of those. That's kind of what I mean, like uh, a spot where he felt magically potent. So, y'all can keep discussing. I am going to keep reading. Let's see, the right here. Is this the right picture? Ish. It's close. Um. I think we're still on this one, though, aren't we? Without any other leads, they traveled into London and, hidden beneath the invisibility cloak, searched for the orphanage in which Voldemort had been raised. Hermione stole into a library and discovered from their records that the place had been demolished many years before. They visited the site and found a tower block of offices. We could try digging in the foundations, Hermione suggested half-heartedly. He wouldn't have hidden a Horcrux here, Harry said. He had known it all along. 
The orphanage had been the place Voldemort had been determined to escape. He never would have hidden a part of his soul here. Dumbledore had shown Harry that Voldemort sought grandeur or mystique in his hiding places. This dismal grey corner of London was as far removed as you could get from Hogwarts or the Ministry or a building like Gringotts, the Wizarding Bank, with its golden doors and marble floors. Even without any new ideas, they continued to move through the countryside, pitching the tent in a different place each night for security. Every morning, they made sure that they had removed all clues to their presence, then set off to find another lonely and secluded spot, traveling by apparition to more woods, to the shadowy crevices of cliffs, to purple moors, gorse-covered mountainsides, and once a sheltered and pebbly cove. Every twelve hours or so, they passed the horcrux between them, as though they were playing some perverse, slow-motion game of past the parcel where they dreaded the music stopping because the reward was twelve hours of increased fear and anxiety. Harry's scar kept prickling. It happened most often, he noticed, when he was wearing the horcrux. Sometimes he could not stop himself reacting to the pain. What? What did you see? demanded Ron, whenever he noticed Harry wince. A face, muttered Harry. Every time. The same face. The thief who stole from Gogorovich. Then Ron would turn away, making no effort to hide his disappointment. He knew Ron was hoping to hear news of his family or the rest of the Order of the Phoenix, but after all, he, Harry, was not a television aerial. He could only see what Voldemort was thinking at the time, not tune in to whatever took his fancy. Apparently, Voldemort was dwelling endlessly on the unknown youth with the gleeful face, whose name and whereabouts Harry felt sure Voldemort knew no better than he did. As Harry's scar continued to burn and the merry, blond-haired boy swam tantalizingly in his memory, he learned to suppress any sign of pain or discomfort, for the other two showed nothing but impatience at the mention of the thief. He could not entirely blame them when they were so desperate for a lead on the Horcruxes. As the days stretched into weeks, Harry began to suspect that Ron and Hermione were having conversations without and about him. Several times they stopped talking abruptly when Harry entered the tent, and twice he came accidentally upon them, huddled a, list a little distance away, head together and talking fast. Both times they fell silent when they realized he was approaching them and hastened to appear biddy, busy collecting wood or water. Harry could not help wondering whether they had only agreed to come with on this what felt like a pointless journey and rambling uh, because they thought he had got some secret plan that they would learn in due course. Ron was making no effort to hide his bad mood, and Harry was starting to fear Hermione, too, was disappointed by his poor leadership. In desperation, he tried to think of further Horcrux locations, but the only one that continued to occur to him was Hogwarts, and as neither of the others thought this at all likely, he stopped suggesting it. Autumn rolled over the countryside as they moved through it. They were now pitching the tent on mulches of fallen leaves. 
Natural mists joined those cast by the Dementors. Wind and rain added to their troubles. The fact that Hermione was getting better at identifying edible fungi could not altogether compensate for their continuing isolation. The lack of other people's company, or the total ignorance as to what was going on with the war against Voldemort. My mother, said Ron one night, as they sat in the tent in a riverbank in Wales, can make good food appear out of thin air. He prodded moodily at the lumps of charred gray fish on his plate. Harry glanced automatically at Ron's neck and saw, as he had expected, the golden chain of the Horcrux glinting there. He managed to fight down the impulse to swear at Ron, whose attitude would, he knew, improve slightly when the time came to take off the locket. Your mother can't produce food out of thin air, said Hermione. No one can. Food is the first of the five principal exceptions to Gamp's law of elemental transfigure... Or speak English, won't you? Ron said, prising a fishbone out from between his teeth. It's impossible to make food out of nothing. You can summon it if you know where it is. You can transform it. You can increase the quantity if you've already got some. Well, don't bother increasing this. It's disgusting, said Ron. Harry caught the fish and I did my best with it. I notice I'm always the one who ends up sorting out the food because I'm a girl, I suppose. No, it's because you're supposed to be the best at magic, shot back Ron. Hermione jumped up and bits of roast pike shot off her tin plate onto the floor. You can do the cooking tomorrow, Ron. You can find the ingredients and try to charm them into something worth eating. And I'll sit here and I'll pull faces and moan and you can see how you... Shut up, said Harry, jumping to his feet and holding both up, both hands up. Shut up now! Hermione looked outraged. How can you side with him? He hardly ever does the cook... Hermione, be quiet. I can hear someone. He was listening hard, his hands still raised warning them not to talk. Then, over the rush and gush of the dark river beside them, he heard voices again. He looked around at the sneakoscope. It was not moving. You... you cast the Muffliato charm over us, right? He whispered to Hermione. Nope, let's try that again. You cast the Muffliato charm over us, right? He whispered to Hermione. I did everything. She whispered back. Muffliato, muggle repelling and disillusionment charms, all of it. They shouldn't be able to see or hear us, whoever they are. Heavy scuffing and scraping noises, plus the sound of dislodged stones and twigs, told them that several people were clambering down the steep wooded slope that descended to the narrow bank where they had pitched the tent. They drew their wands, waiting. The enchantments they had cast around themselves ought to be sufficient in the near-total darkness to shield them from the notice of muggles and normal witches and wizards. If these were Death Eaters, then perhaps their defenses were about to be tested by dark magic for the first time. The voices became louder, but no more intelligible as the group of men reached the bank. Harry estimated that their owners were fewer than twenty feet away but the cascading river made it impossible to tell for sure. Hermione snatched up the beaded bag and started rummaging. After a moment, she withdrew three extendable ears and threw one each to Harry and Ron, who hastily inserted the ends of the flesh-colored strings into their ears and fed the other ends out of the tent entrance. Within seconds, Harry heard a weary male voice. 
There ought to be a few salmon in here. Do you reckon it's too early in the season? Accio salmon. There were several distinct splashes, and then the lapping sounds of fish against flesh. Somebody grunted appreciatively. Harry pressed the extendable ear deeper into his own. Over the murmur of the river, he could make out more voices. But they were not speaking English or any other human language he had ever heard. It was a rough and unmelodious tongue, a string of rattling guttural noises, and there seemed to be two speakers, one with a slightly lower, slower voice than the other two. A fire danced to life on the other side of the canvas. Large shadows passed between tent and flames. The delicious smell of baking salmon wafted tantalizingly in their direction. Then came the clinking of cutlery on plates, and the first man spoke again. Here. Grapehook, Gornuck. Goblins, Hermione mouthed at Harry, who nodded. Thank you, said the goblins together in English. So, have you three been on the run? How long? asked a new, mellow and pleasant voice. It was vaguely familiar to Harry, who pictured a round-bellied, cheerful-faced man. Seven weeks, maybe six, I forget, said the tired man. Met up with Griphook in the first couple of days and forced, that uh, joined forces with Griphook. Good lord, come on! Come on, Sidecar Sam, get with it. Met up with Griphook in the first couple of days and joined forces with Gornook not long after. Nice to have a bit of company. There was a pause while knives scraped against plates and tin mugs were picked up and replaced on the ground. What made you leave, Ted? Knew that they were coming for me replied mellow-faced Ted, and Harry suddenly knew who it was, Tonks' father. Daffy's were in the area last week and decided I'd better run for it. Refused to register as a muggle-born on principle, you see, so I knew it was a matter of time for me. Knew I'd have to leave in the end. My wife should be okay, she's pure blood. And then I met uh, Dean here, what, a few days ago, son? Yeah, said another voice, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione stared at each other. Silent, but beside themselves with excitement, they recognized the voice of Dean Thomas, their fellow Gryffindor. Mugga barn, eh? said the first man. Not sure, said Dean. Mom left... My dad left my mum when I was a kid. Got no proof that he's a wizard, though. There was a silence for a while, except for the sounds of munching. Then Ted spoke again. I've got to say, Dirk, I'm surprised to run into you. Uh, pleased, but surprised. The word was that you had been caught. I was, said Dirk. I was halfway to Azkaban when I made a break for it. Stunned Dawlish nicked his broom. It was easier than you'd think. I don't reckon he'd be quite right at the moment. Might be confounded. If so, I'd like to shake the hand of the witch or wizard who did it. Probably saved my life. There was another pause in which the fire crackled and the river rushed on. Then Ted said, Where do you two fit in, eh? I, I had the uh, impression that the goblins were for you-know-who on the whole. You had a false impression, said the higher voice of the goblins. 
We take no sides. This is a wizard's war. How come you're in hiding, then? I deemed it prudent, said the deeper-voiced goblin. Having refused what I considered an impertinent request, I could see that my personal safety was in jeopardy. What do they ask you to do? asked Ted. Duties. It will be fitting of the dignity of my race, replied the goblin, his voice rougher and less human as he said it. I am not a house elf. What about you, Griphook? Similar reasons, said the higher-voiced goblin. Gringotts is no longer under the sole control of my race. I recognize no wizarding master. He laughed under his breath and said something to gobbledy, something in gobbledygook. And Gornock laughed along. What's the joke? asked Dean. He said, replied Dirk, there are some things that wizards don't recognize either. There was a short pause. I don't get it, said Dean. I had my small revenge before I left, said Griphook in English. He's a good man, a goblin I should say, amended Ted hastily. I didn't manage to lock up a death eater in one of their old high security vaults, I suppose. If I had the sword might not have... Uh, the sword would not have helped to break him out, replied Griphook. Gornuk laughed again, and even Dirk gave a, a dry chuckle. Dane and I are still missing something here, said Ted. So Severus Snape, though he does not yet know it, said Griphook, and the two goblins roared with malicious laughter. Inside the tent, Harry's breathing was shallow with excitement. He and Hermione stared at each other, listening as hard as they could. You uh, didn't hear about that, Ted? Asked Dirk. About the kids who tried to steal Gryffindor's sword out of Snape's office at Hogwarts. An electric current seemed to course through Harry, jingling his every nerve as he stood rooted on the spot. I never heard a word, said Ted. It's not in the profit, was it? Hardly chortled Dirk. Griphook here told me. He heard about it from Bill Weasley, who works for the bank. One of the kids who tried to take the sword was Bill's younger sister. Harry glanced toward Hermione and Ron, both of whom were clutching the extendable ears as tightly as lifelines. She and a couple of friends got into Snape's office and smashed up the glass case where he was apparently keeping the sword. Snape caught him as they were trying to smuggle it down the staircase. Oh, God bless them, said Ted. What did I think? They'd be able to use a sword on you now who? Or on Snape himself? Well, whatever they thought they were going to do with it, Snape decided the sword wasn't safe where it was, said Dirk. A couple of days later... Once he got the say-so from you-know-who, I imagine he sent it down to London to be kept in Gringotts instead. The goblin started to laugh again. I'm still not seeing the joke, said Ted. It's a fake, rasped Griphook. A sword of Gryffindor? Oh, yes, it's a copy. An excellent copy, it's true, but it was wizard-made. 
The original was forged centuries ago by goblins and has certain properties only goblin-made armour possesses. Wherever the genuine sword of Gryffindor is, it's not in a vault at Gringotts Bank. I see, said Ted, and I take it you didn't bother telling the Death Eaters about this. I saw no reason to trouble him with the information, said Griphook smugly, and now Ted and Dean joined in Gornuck and Dirk's laughter. Inside the tent, Harry closed his eyes, willing someone to ask the question he needed answered, and after a minute that seemed ten, Dean obliged. He was, Harry remembered with a jolt, an ex-boyfriend of Ginny's too. What's happened to Ginny and the others? The ones who tried to steal it? Ah, oh, they were punished and cruelly said Griphook indifferently. Oh, they're okay, though, asked Ted quickly. I mean, the Weasleys don't need any more of their kids injured, do they? They suffer no serious injuries, far as I'm aware, said Griphook. Oh, it's lucky for them, said Ted. With Snape's track record, I suppose we should just be glad that they're still alive. You believe that story, then, do you, Ted? asked Dirk. You believe that Snape killed Dumbledore? Of course I do, said Ted. You're not going to sit there and tell me you think Harry Potter had anything to do with it. I don't know what to believe these days, muttered Dirk. I know Harry Potter, said Dean. I reckon he's the real thing. The chosen one, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, there's a lot I'd like to believe, son, said Dirk. There's a lot of folks who'd like to believe that same thing, me included. But where is he? He's run for it by the looks of things. You'd think if he knew anything that we don't, or had anything special guiding him, he'd be out there fighting. Rallying resistance instead of hiding. And you know, the prophets made a pretty good case against him. The prophet? scoffed Ted. You deserve to be lied to if you're still reading that muck, Dirk. You want facts, try to quibbler. There was a sudden explosion of choking and retching, plus a good deal of thumping. By the sound of it, Dirk had swallowed a fishbone. At last, he spluttered, <laughs> He's out the quibbler. That lunatic rag of Zeno love goods. It's not so lunatic these days, said Ted. You want to give it a look. Zeno's printing all the stuff that the prophet has been ignoring. Not to mention a... Not a single... Mention of crumple on snorkacks in the last issue. How long they'll let him get away with it, Mike, I don't know. But Zeno says, front page of every issue, any wizard who's got anything that you know who might not like, you might want to make helping Harry Potter their number one priority. It's hard to help a boy who's vanished off the face of the earth, said Dirk. Listen, the fact that they haven't caught him yet is one hell of an accomplishment, said Ted. I'd take tips from him gladly, if that's what we're trying to do. Stay free, isn't it? Yeah, well, you got a point there, said Dirk heavily. With all the ministry and all their informers looking for him, I'd have expected him to be caught by now. Mind who's to say they hadn't already caught and killed him without publicizing it. Oh, don't say that, Dirk, murmured Ted. There was a long pause. 
filled with more clattering of knives and forks. When they spoke again, it was to discuss whether they ought to sleep on the bank or retreat back up the wooded slope. Deciding the trees would give better cover, they extinguished their fire, then clambered back up the incline, their voices fading away. Harry, Ron, and Hermione reeled in the extendable ears. Harry, who had found the need to remain silent increasingly difficult the longer they had eavesdropped, now found himself unable to say more than, Ginny, the sword. I know, said Hermione. She lunged for the tiny beaded bag, this time sinking her arm in right up to the armpit. Here we are, she said between gritted teeth, and she pulled something large that was evidently in the depths of the bag. Slowly, the edge of an ornate picture frame came into view. Harry hurried to help her. As they lifted the empty portrait of Phineas Nigellus Black, free of Hermione's bag, she kept her wand pointed at it, ready to cast a spell at any moment. If somebody swapped the real sword for the fake one while I was in Dumbledore's office, she panted as they propped up the painting against the side of the tent, Phineas Nigellus would have seen it. He hangs right beside the case. Unless he was asleep, said Harry. But still, he held his breath as Hermione knelt down in front of the empty canvas, her wand directed at its center, clearing her throat. Then said, Um, Phineas? Phineas Nigellus? Nothing happened. Phineas Nigellus, said Hermione again. Professor Black, please could we talk to you? Please. Please always helps, said a cold, snide voice, and Phineas Nigellus slid into his portrait. At once, Hermione cried, Obscuro! A black blindfold appeared over Phineas Nigellus's clear, dark eyes, causing him to bump into the frame and shriek with pain. What? What? How dare you? What are you? I'm very sorry, Professor Black, said Hermione, but it's a necessary precaution. You remove this foul addition at once. Remove it, I say. You're ruining a great work of art. Where am I? What's going on? Never mind where we are, said Harry. And Phineas Nigellus froze, abandoning his attempts to peel off the painted blindfold. Can that possibly be the voice of the elusive Mr. Potter? Maybe, said Harry, knowing that this would keep Phineas Nigellus's interest... We've got a couple of questions for you. About the Sword of Gryffindor. Ah, said Cap Captain, said Phineas Nigellus, now turning his head this way and that in an effort to catch sight of Harry. Ah, yeah, that silly girl acted most unwisely there. You shut up about my sister, said Ron roughly. Phineas Nigellus raised supercilious eyebrows. Who else is there? He turned looking from side to side. Your tone displeases me. The girl and her friends were foolhardy in the extreme, thieving from the headmaster. They weren't thieving, said Harry. That sword isn't Snape's. It belongs to Professor Snape's school, said Phineas Nigellus. Exactly what claim did the Weasley girl have on it? She deserved her punishment, as did that idiot Longbottom and the Lovegood oddity. Neville is not an idiot, and Luna is not an oddity, said Hermione. 
Where am I? repeated Phineas Nagalis, starting to wrestle with the blindfold again. Where have you brought me? Why have you removed me from the house of my forebears? Never mind that. How did Snape punish Ginny, Neville, and Luna? asked Harry urgently. Professor Snape sent them into the Forbidden Forest to do some work for the oaf Hagrid. Hagrid is not an oaf, said Hermione shrilly. Snape might have thought that was a punishment, said Harry. But Ginny, Neville, and Luna probably had a good laugh with Hagrid. The Forbidden Forest. They faced plenty worse than the Forbidden Forest. Big deal. He felt relieved. He had been imagining horrors. The Cruciatus Curse, at the very least. What we really want to know, Professor Black, is whether anyone else has taken out the sword at all. Maybe it's been taken away for cleaning or something. Phineas Nagellus paused again with his struggles to free his eyes and sniggered. Oh, see, it got me again. It doesn't tell me who's speaking, and then I gotta go back and find out that it's Hermione. All right. What we really want to know, Professor Black, is whether anyone else has, um, taken out the sword at all. Maybe it's been taken away for cleaning or, or something? Phineas Nagellus paused again in his struggles to free his eyes and sniggered. Muggleborns, he said. Goblin-made armor does not require cleaning, simple girl. Goblin silver repels mundane dirt, imbibing only that which strengthens it. Don't call Hermione simple, said Harry. I grow weary of contradiction, said Phineas Nagellus. Perhaps it's time for me to return to the headmaster's office. Still blindfolded, he began groping the side of the frame, trying to feel his way out of the picture and back into the one at Hogwarts. Harry had a sudden inspiration. Dumbledore, can't you bring Dumbledore here to us? I beg your pardon, said Phineas Nagellus. Professor Dumbledore's portrait, couldn't you bring him along here into yours? Phineas Nagellus turned his face in the direction of Harry's voice. Evidently, it's not only muggle-borns who are ignorant, Potter. The portraits of Hogwarts can commune with each other, but they cannot travel outside the castle except to visit a painting of themselves hanging elsewhere. Dumbledore can't come here with me, and after the treatment I have received at your hands, I can assure you I will not be making a return visit. Slightly crestfallen. Harry watched Phineas redouble his efforts to leave the frame. Professor Black, said Hermione, couldn't you tell us, please, when was the last time that the sword was taken out of its case? Before Ginny took it out, I mean? Phineas snorted impatiently. I believe the last time I saw the sword of Gryffindor leave its case was when Professor Dumbledore used it to break open a ring. Hermione whipped around to look at Harry. Neither of them dared to say more in front of Phineas Nagellus, who had at last managed to locate the exit. "'Well, good night to you,' he said a little waspishly, and he began to move out of sight again. Only the edge of his hat-brim remained in view, and Harry gave a sudden shout. "'Wait! Have you told Snape that you saw this?' Phineas Nagellus stuck his blindfolded head back into the picture. 
Professor Snape has more important things on his mind than the many eccentricities of Albus Dumbledore. Goodbye, Potter. And with that, he vanished completely, leaving him... leaving behind nothing but his murky backdrop. Harry! Hermione cried. I know! Harry shouted. Unable to contain himself, he punched the air. It was more than he had dared to hope for. He strode up and down the tent, feeling that he could have run a mile. He did not even feel hungry anymore. Hermione was squashing Phineas Nagellus's portrait back into the beaded bag. When she fastened the clasp, she threw the bag aside and raised a shining face to Harry. Um... The sword can destroy Horcruxes. Goblet made blades imbibe only that which strengthened them. Harry and the swords... The, that sword's impregnated with basilisk venom. And Dumbledore didn't give it to me because he still needed it. He wanted it to be used on that locket. And he must have realized that they wouldn't let you have it if it was still in his will. So he made a copy. And put a fake one inside the glass case. And left the real one... Where? They glanced at each other. Harry felt that the answer was dangling invisibly in the air above them, tantalizingly close. Why hadn't Dumbledore told him? Or had he, in fact, told Harry, but Harry was not realizing it at the time? Think, whispered Hermione. Think. Where would he have left it? Not at Hogwarts, said Harry, resuming his pacing. Somewhere in Hogsmeade, suggested Hermione. The Shrieking Shack, said Harry. Nobody ever goes in there. But Snape knows how to get in. Wouldn't that be a bit risky? Dumbledore trusted Snape, Harry reminded her. Not enough to tell him that he had swapped the swords, said Hermione. You're right, said Harry. Yeah, you're right. He even felt more cheered at the thought that Dumbledore had had some reservations, however faint, about Snape's trustworthiness. So... Would he have hidden a sword well away from Hogsmeade, then? What do you reckon, Ron? Ron? Harry looked around. For one bewildered moment, he thought that Ron had left the tent. Then he realized Ron was lying in the shadow of a lower bunk, looking stony. Oh, you've remembered me, have you? he said. What? Ron snorted as he stared up at the underside of the upper bunk. No, you two carry on. Don't let me spoil your fun. Perplexed, Harry looked to Hermione for help, but she shook her head, apparently as nonplussed as he was. What's... What's the problem? Problem? There's no problem, said Ron, still refusing to look at Harry. Not to cause into you, anyway. There were several plunks on the canvas over their heads. It had started to rain. Well, obviously you've got a problem, said Harry. Spit it out, will you? Ron swung his long legs up off the bed and sat up. He looked mean, unlike himself. All right, I'll spit it out. Don't expect me to skip up and down in the tent because there's some damn thing we've got to find. Just add it to the list of stuff that you don't know. I don't know, repeated Harry. I don't know? Plunk, plunk. The rain was falling harder and heavier. It 
pattered on the leaf-strewn bank all around them and the river chattering through the dark. Dread doused Harry's jubilation. Ron was saying exactly what he had feared and suspected him to be thinking. It's not like I'm not having the time of my life here, said Ron. You know, with my arm mangled and having nothing to eat, freezing my backside off every night, I just hoped, you know, after we'd been running around the few weeks that we'd have achieved something. Ron? Hermione said, but in such a quiet voice that Ron could pretend not to have heard it over the loud tattoo that the rain was now beating on the tent. I thought you knew what you'd signed up for, said Harry. Yeah, I thought I did too. So what part of it isn't living up to your expectations? asked Harry. Anger was coming to his defense now. Did you think that we'd be staying in five-star hotels, finding a horcrux every other day? Did you think you'd be back to mummy by Christmas? I thought that you knew what you were doing. We both did, shouted Ron, standing up, and his words pierced Harry like scalding knives. We thought Dumbledore had told you what to do. We thought that you had a real plan. Ron, said Hermione, this time clearly audible over the rain thundering on the roof of the tent. But again, he ignored her. Well, I'm sorry to have let you down, said Harry, his voice quite calm, even though he felt hollow, inadequate. I've been straight with you from the start. I've told you everything Dumbledore told me, and in case you haven't noticed, we've found one Horcrux. Yeah, and we're about as near to getting rid of it as we are to finding the rest of them. Nowhere effing near, in other words. Take off the locket, Ron, Hermione said, her voice unnaturally high. Please take it off. You wouldn't be talking like this if you hadn't been wearing it all day. Yes, he would, said Harry, who did not want excuses made for Ron. You think I haven't noticed the two of you whispering behind my back? Do you think I didn't guess what you were thinking? That you were thinking all this stuff? Harry, we won't. Don't lie, Ron hurled at her. You said it too. You said that you were disappointed. You said that you thought that he had a bit more to go on than... I didn't say it like that. Harry, I didn't, she cried. The rain was pounding the tent. Tears were pouring down Hermione's face, and the excitement of a few short minutes before had vanished as if it had never been. A short-lived firework that flared and died, leaving everything dark, wet, and cold. The sword of Gryffindor was hidden they knew not where, and they were three teenagers in a tent whose only achievement was not yet to be dead. So why are you still here? Harry asked Ron. Search me, said Ron. Go home then, said Harry. Eh, maybe I will, shouted Ron, and he took several steps toward Harry, who did not back away. Didn't you hear what they said about my sister? But you don't give a rat's fast... Fart, do you? It's only the Forbidden Forest. Harry, our first worst putter doesn't care what happens in there. Well, I do, all right? Giant spiders and mental stuff. I was only saying she was with the others. They were with Hagrid. Yeah, I get it. You don't care. What about the rest of my family? The Weasleys don't need another kid injured. Did you hear that? Yes, I... But he didn't bother what it meant, though. Ron, said Hermione, forcing her way between them. I don't think it means that anything new has happened, anything that we don't already know about. Think, Ron, Bill's already scarred. Plenty of people must have seen that George has lost an ear by now, and you're supposed to be in your deathbed with Spattergroat. I'm sure that's all that he meant. Oh, you're sure, are you? Well, all right, then. I won't bother myself about it. 
It's all right for you two, with your parents safely out of the way. My parents are dead, Harry bellowed. And mine could be going the same way, yelled Ron. Then go, roared Harry. Go back to them, pretend that you've got over your spattergroit and mummy will be able to feed you up and... Ron made a sudden movement. Harry reacted, but before either of them had their wands clear of the owner's pocket, Hermione had raised her own. Protego, she cried. An invisible shield expanded between her and Harry on one side and Ron on the other. All of them were forced backwards a few steps by the strength of the spell, and Harry and Ron glared at each other from the side of the transparent barrier, as though they were seeing each other clearly for the first time. Harry felt a corrosive hatred toward Ron. Something had broken between them. Leave the Holcrux, Harry said. Ron wrenched the chain over his head and cast the locket into a nearby chair. He turned to Hermione. What are you doing? What do you mean? Are you staying or what? I... She looked anguished. I... Yes. Yes, I'm staying, Ron. We said that we would go with Harry, that we would help. I get it. You choose him. Ron, no! Please, come back! Come back! She was impeded by her own shield charm. By the time she had removed it, he was already storming into the night. Harry stood still and silent, listening to her sobbing and calling Ron's name amidst the trees. After a few minutes, she returned, her sopping hair plastered to her face. He's... he's gone. Disapparated. She threw herself into a chair, curled up, and started to cry. Harry felt dazed. He stood up, picked up the horcrux, and placed it around his own neck. He dragged blankets off of Ron's bunk and threw them over to Hermione. Then he climbed onto his own bed and stared up at the dark canvas roof, listening to the pounding of the rain. That's our chapter, folks. Remember, register to vote. If you're not doing it, I th I'm going to think you're a goon. I'll just say it right now. I'm going to think you're a goon. I got to be honest with you. I got to level with you. So get registered. Get doing it. Thank you, Jesse Longbottom. I appreciate it. There we go. Everyone, thank you very much for being with me today. Uh, folks, I hope you are all doing well. Um, this was a tough chapter, wasn't it? We had a hard one here. Um, if you are just joining us now, I will remind you all, uh, this is the end of our two chapters for tonight. Uh, I very much appreciate you stopping in. We're still going to be doing some bad beans after this, so we're going to be having some fun all the same. However, um... We are finished up for the night. If you are looking for this chapter, uh, as soon as the stream is over, you should be able to find this here on Twitch for the next two weeks. Um, and if not here, then you can catch up over on YouTube. Uh, it'll be up there in one week. If you are watching this on YouTube right now, 
hello and welcome. Uh, you can go ahead and if you found when the uh, premiere is for this video, come back exactly 24 hours afterward and you can find the live version on Twitch. Um, and for those of you who are with me right now on Twitch and Discord, let's see, who's still with me on Discord? We've got Jade Dragon, Luis Allen, uh, and then of course all of you wonderful folks over here on Twitch. Uh, uh, Jade Dragon, fantastic. Got your mail-in ballot requested. Wonderful. Yeah, don't forget to do it, folks. Don't forget. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Jade Dragon, thank you very much. And uh, I saw somebody saying that you've been registered for five years. Well done. Uh, I didn't catch the name before it disappeared. But folks, thank you very much for being here. Um, it's time for some bad beans, isn't it? Uh, while I go get my uh, my lovely assistant, I am going to put my um, my schedule for October back on the screen. <laughs> There we go. Um, go ahead and take a look at this. Go ahead and screen cap it. Um, I will be posting it in the Discord as well and all over the place, YouTube, etc. Um, but as you can see, uh, we have got some plans. So this is going to be the schedule for October. Um, I have I've done some learning and I think uh, it's going to be helpful for you all to kind of know what's coming up. So you can find this information here. You can ask me questions about it over on Discord. Um, I very much look forward to the month of October, and I will be right back. I gotta go get my lovely assistant. Just a moment. Bye bye. Well, not bye bye. Uh, see, that's my sign off. I can't say bye bye. I'll be right back. <laughs> Thanks to Mentor Slayer. I appreciate it. Just a mo. And we're back. It's time for some bad beans. <laughs> okay, everyone. Now, you have uh, seen the system before, many of you. For those of you who have not, you know what? Let's start from uh, for anyone who doesn't know who I am or what this is. Hi, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. And uh, <laughs> just do it real quick. Just pull the band-aid off. Um, and uh, I stream Tuesday through Friday. We'll talk about the schedule in just a second here. But this particular part of the stream is Bad Beans. This is where I eat Birdie Bots every flavor beans. And uh, I try to guess what they are. I go in for a blind taste test. Some of these are... I don't know if we've got any of the... the what do we call them? The gross beans? Yeah, the yucky beans? We might have a few. But mostly uh, what we've got for Bad Beans right now are the incredibly spicy ones. Um, so we're, we're short on the... Uh, like. Uh, stink bug and such. Where, 
What? Okay. Um, short on stink bug and such, but we are, we've got plenty of very hot beans, and so far I think I've only gotten like a three out of five on the spicy scale, right? Is that the sriracha? Ah, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Thanks for the bits, Memnite. Uh, Y'all can help Memnite brew up a good batch of potion here. Um, <laughs> and uh, in front of this funny art that Jade Hallett made uh, quite a while ago, and I did not apply it properly right here where it belongs, where it deserves to be until very recently. So uh, with that said, folks, let's try some bad beans, shall we? Um, let's see. What am I going to use as a, a blindfold? Your hat? Eh, I don't want to use my hat. Um... Uh, my scarf will be hanging up in the closet. Oh, that'll work just fine. Perfect. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Also, it's in a knot. I'm not going to be able to get this over my head. Mama Porkchop has subscribed for a second month. Thank you very much for being here. And thanks for coming back. Thanks for going through one month and being like, yeah, that's worth it. I'll do that again. <laughs> okay, folks. Here we go. I'm back on that, uh, um, uh, oh boy, what's the professor's name? Oh no, Quirrell. I'm on that Professor Quirrell grind again. All right, this will be sufficient. Folks, you can add beans to the bean pile uh, by promoting the show. For this particular one, it is uh, wish, with my handle, just at Sidecar Stories. I pay attention mostly to uh, Twitter and Instagram, but um, if you want to promote the show, you can use my handle and the hashtag HPOutloud, um, and uh, you can add extra beans to the pile. For our first bean of the night, uh, I'll just go. I'm gonna I'm gonna start to go through my schedule as usual. Look at this. I'm, I make a great Professor Quarrel. Look at me, P -p 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 Professor Quarrel. Um, <laughs> so to start off my schedule, I don't stream on Mondays. I don't. There it is. Rowlett, thank you very much for being here. <laughs> Get some sleep. It was good to have you here. I appreciate you coming in, and I uh, hope to see you again soon. This one, okay, so right now, it's very vanilla-y. But I got a big, like, pear or something flavor up at the top there. It's like a vanilla pear. Mm, I recognize this. Hold on. Oh, what is this? It's some very mellow fruit. I don't think, I don't think it's mango. Is it going to be like peach or something? I'm, I, I can't think of it. And as soon as it happens, I'm going to know that I did bad. I did a big dumb, but I'm going to go with peach. Is it peach? It's not peach. It's watermelon. Watermelon? Yeah. That's what it is. It's the taste of fake watermelon. That's absolutely what it is. It doesn't taste like it's... That zebra stripe gum. Uh, yeah, yeah, the zebra surgery, exactly. Um, the, uh, typically, like, I mean, you all know the flavors that are like this. Banana is a big one, but there are some flavors where it's like, yeah, green apple tastes roughly like a green apple, etc. Watermelon flavor does not taste like watermelon. Okay. All right, well, that's out 0 for 1, and uh, unfortunately, the frizz is not here either. Someone's got to keep count for us. Yeah, I'm going to need some help keeping count, folks, so y'all got to help me with this one. I'm at 0 for 1, unfortunately, right now. Let's try our second one. Continuing on our schedule, on Tuesdays, we've got Vintage Sidecar. Right now, we are going through Frankenstein. We are we're starting to look at the end here, and I'm actually considering taking a vote um, for our next series, uh, our next Vintage Sidecar, but someone, thank you very much, 
has presented a very good idea that if we start reading right after um, Frankenstein, we could be finished with A Christmas Carol just in time for Christmas. So we'll be talking about that on the Discord. At 2 p.m. on Tuesdays, we do some game stuff, and y'all can see um, from the uh, from that schedule that I had up there, and I will be posting it again in Discord, you can see what games we're going to be playing for the next month, basically. I don't, um, on Tuesdays is going to be the Harry Potter. That's the plan for right now. We're going to try and stick with that through October and see if we need to change plans after that. But Tuesdays is our new Harry Potter adventure. It's in Minecraft. I'm very excited. Um, and uh, I've considered Minecraft as kind of a backdrop for some other projects as well that are going to take some time to sort of put into place. But I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to make a good environment for some other things. Now, this bean. It's fruitsome. Fruitful. Fruitness? Fruit, fruitness, I redeem. Uh, Barry Bethy says, I prefer watermelon candy over actual watermelon. And Sparkle Lovegood says, I, I, uh, it doesn't act oh, it doesn't actually taste like watermelon. I thought you were saying, I don't actually like the taste of watermelon. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that one. Uh, that is going to be Hogwarts Hippie. That is going to start on, um, let's see. Tuesday the, of October. Yes, precisely. Thank you. The first Tuesday of October, Hogwarts Hippie, and it will be at 2 p.m. every Tuesday. That's the plan. Um, okay, this one, I mean, it's almost got more of that kind of watermelon-type flavor, a little bit. I would say... Hmm. It's another mellow one. There's almost no acidity to it. What's another What's another chill fruit? What's the... Hey, gang, what's the chillest fruit? <laughs> Um, I'm gonna go peach again, because heck with it. This time it actually does taste more like peach. I think. My mouth gets all confused. Yes, it does. Denmark gets all confused. This is green apple. Green apple? Red apple tastes more like green apple than green apple tastes like green apple. That's wild. Alright, that's zero out of two, gang. Okay. Turning 18! Woo! Happy birthday, Jezzy! Oh boy, I'm gonna do my best to, to remember it, but it's gonna be a whole month away. There's very little odds that I will be able to remember that one <laughs> on the day. America? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh boy. I'm not kidding. Mem thank you for uh, thank you for your. I like it. You you've turned it into a crock pot down here. Thank you for the bits. Um. All right, on Wednesdays, we've got Chat Plays Dungeon World, which has gotten a wild in the last two weeks. Um, these last two sessions have been some of the most, like, uh, exciting uh, and deadly action we've ever had. So if you want to catch up with that, go to um, fandom.sidecarstories.com. Nope, sidecarstories.fandom.com. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to two folks who do, don't actually typically come in for the Harry Potter stuff, but a shout out to um, uh, Sander for uh, doing a lot of the work that has been so helpful with the wiki. Um, and of course, Hen the Pen, as I think her new username is on Twitch. Um, but Henny has built the bot that makes it possible. And y'all might see on the second, we are going to be having a session zero for a game called Kids on Bikes. <laughs> Kids on Bikes is a super simple but very, very fun RPG that is designed to tell stories in the same kind of genre as Kids on Bikes. Um, or, sorry, duh. 
can't uh, buy. It's, what's the name of the... Nah, bah, 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 Stranger Things. Um, Stranger Things or E.T. Or if you love any of those those old movies where it's like, it's the 80s and a bunch of kids have to solve problems together. Sometimes supernatural, sometimes it's aliens, sometimes whatever. It's super fun stories and we're going to be doing a session zero for it. And a session zero is uh, the time when we do a lot of our planning. So if you like that sort of like world building process and if you want to help us build a small town where we can have some adventures come back on the second it's a friday and we're going to be doing that uh at 2 p.m i'm I'll very much looking forward to it uh we're going to start at 2 p.m and then uh once some of our uh our our folks get in they are going to be joining us uh later on but uh we have got uh me some folks uh some folks that you know we've got me mama cass and uh tuna and miss frizz so you will be hearing us all there you won't be seeing us but um there's no problem m night don't worry about it yeah, that'll be in the second, and uh, don't forget, every Wednesday, Chat Plays Dungeon World. Um, I, I should almost do a video on the great stories that are being told in RPGs right now, because I've enjoyed them quite as much as some of the written stuff that I've read. Now, let's see. This one's not a great bean. I think it's designed to be a good one, but I do not care for it. It's not treating me very well. Um, I would say I'm looking at, like, uh, hmm... No problem, Mem Knight. You're just trying to test out all of the possible, all the possible little gifts for it. Well, and you gotta fill it slowly, otherwise it explodes. <laughs> okay, I got gotcha. you. You're going for one big explosion at the end. Um, Jesse, you do not need to be at your computer. You can play via mobile. Um, also, it can be a lot of fun to just like hang out and watch. Got the you, Mem Knight. I get it. The old system with Mixplay um, did require... It didn't require a computer, but it was much more helpful. With this one, it's just uh, entirely via chat. Um, we use chat commands. Or sometimes you can just show up and hang out and uh, you know contribute when you feel like it. You don't have to be like playing the whole time. I would definitely say for anybody who just likes listening to kind of fantasy-style stories, this is a great way to check out some fantastic characters with some really cool lore. I think it's some of the best world-building I've ever done for a campaign, so come and check it out. Um, I have no idea what this bean is. It's got a little, a tiny bit of that sort of latte flavor to it, so I'm going to say, um, uh, like, French... No, um, I was going to say, like, French vanilla latte, but I'm just going to go with latte. It's enough, but I'm probably going to be way off the mark. It is. Strawberry daiquiri. I don't think it was strawberry daiquiri, though. Folks, we need to Y'all rebel against it, these right? beans. It was pink. We rebel against the beans. I don't buy it. Well, you're wrong. I'm not buying it. We're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. On Thursdays. We're back here. Y'all know this already. Um, and uh, once again, I would encourage y'all to uh, capture my schedule somewhere, whether it's, you know, screenshot or just download it from uh, once I put it up on the Discord. Oh, no. It's a, it's, a, it's a spicy bean. Okay. Folks, we got a spicy bean alert. This is going to be a spicy one. My question is, do I try to spread out the pain evenly? Do I try to coordinate into one side of my mouth? What do I do? How do I get rid of this bean? Gang, how do I throw back this bean? Quick, I need help. Just chew it in the front. 
just do it in the front. Yep, just right in the front. The underside of my tongue is already burning because when I talk, it flicks against it. No hope, Sam. Just the front says sparkle love good. All right, I'll give it a try. Uh, 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 I can't. I can't. It needs to be in a molar, otherwise it won't go anywhere. Uh, 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 uh. That was not my intent. I apologize. <laughs> and stop talking, says Sparkle Love Good. Ooh, there's a smoky one. Ooh, we're out of my. We're out of. Ooh, there's a smoky one. Can you top my water up? Oh, that's a harsh one. Um. Oh, but there's like a weird, sudden, like, f just a tiny little bit of fruity, f fruity flavor in there. Fruity flavor. Uh, um. <laughs> Just eat it. I mean that. Uh, that I gotta, I gotta drop this one back. <sighs> Oof, and I can't tell the my glasses get all smudged from putting my blindfold on and off, but I can't tell <laughs> between that and when my eyes are watering. Oh. So, for that one, I think I gotta go habanero, because, well, Barry, uh, I just ate a very, very spicy bean, because those are the new bad beans. Oh, man. My tongue is on fire. <laughs> the, the, it's mostly the left half, because I tried to kind of keep it cordoned off. I tried up in the front. It wasn't working. It was just me, like, just like, eat, 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 eat at the bean. Oh. That, um, the habanero, or excuse me, the jalapeno bean was much worse than most of the jalapenos that I've eaten, but this one is sticking around, so I think this one's jalapeno. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Habanero, sorry. Okay. I think I'm going to go with habanero on this one. What are the, what do y'all think? Was I probably correct? Was I maybe oh, correct? Sriracha. The sriracha? That was the least hot one. It didn't taste like sriracha at all. The other one did. The other one. The other one was like, "Oh yeah, okay, I can see how that's sriracha." It was red, which is why I thought it was gonna be cherry or cinnamon or apple. I'm gonna go with either cayenne or habanero because that was that was definitely hotter than the sriracha. Don't know what to tell you. I mean, habanero doesn't have any spots. It's just orange. It's orange. Yeah. I'm look, folks. I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm a big tough guy, and it was. You're a big tough guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was definitely habanero. I was a big tough guy. Don't listen to her. Shh, shh, shh. Hey, good. Ashmore. Much more pale. Ashmore, give me that. Give me an asterisk at least. Just give me a. Give me. Just give me a one with an asterisk. Don't listen to her. She's not here. She actually left. She's out of the room now. I don't know where she went. She just. She just ran out of the room. Ashmore, one with an asterisk. One with an asterisk out of four. The left side of my mouth hurts now. It's Sorry. It hurts not just my tongue, but my gums. That's what happened to me. Ugh, I, I bit in, sucks. I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be like a nice cherry or a nice cinnamon. And then I bit into it, and it was <laughs> not. <laughs> Either of those. I'm very sorry that you share my pain <laughs> in what? One fifth to one eighth, wherever it happens to be on a week. And I've got some extra ones today, unfortunately. Um, Sparkle Love Good says maybe Birdie Bot is flavor. Flavor.
flavor-blind. Color-blind. I'm flavor-blind. <laughs> you are flavor-blind. <laughs> oh, man. I gotta, now I'm just not going to bother cleaning my glasses off. Okay. So Thursdays, he's here. Thursdays, I'm here. I'm here on Thursdays. Pacific. Eh, eh. <laughs> Ashmore says, I'm more afraid of her than wanting your approval. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Let's get this next bean knocked out. I need something to just tamp this down a little bit. Oh, baby. Yeah, the less, it's the left side of my tongue. My Oh, good lord. Only my left nostril is running. That sucks. I've just destroyed the left side of my face. Okay. Please don't be another spicy one. You didn't know the first one was spicy. I know, but I know what colors to steer clear of. <laughs> yeah, red and green are just sort of off limits. Yeah. Uh, it's not good, though. Uh. Oh, what is that? Oh, I know that flavor, though. I didn't say I give you a good one. Uh, it's, one it's, a, it's a type of candy that I've had before. It's not black licorice, I don't think. What's the one that's like black licorice, gang? What's that one? What? The, it's like like herbal... Um, yeah, there's a candy that's that's not black licorice, but it's like it. Uh, it's no good. I don't care for it. This is not what I wanted to like chase back a really terrible spicy bean. I will accept candy that's like black licorice, and then if I say the name and you're like, oh, that's it, then you can have an asterisk. Well, I don't know its name. That's what I'm saying. I know, but if I say the name and you're like, that's it. Okay, you can give it a shot. Is that the guess you want? Yeah, I gotta go with it, yeah. I think so. How about black licorice? Is it black licorice? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, fair enough. You don't get an asterisk for that one. <laughs> mm. Tricked out. You can't tell me that was just sriracha. The left side of my tongue is like a little bit numb in just one tiny spot. I mean, would you like to put this one <sighs> in your mouth? And... No, thank you. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, thank you. I've already expressed that it was a miserable experience the first time when it definitely happened. Just before. Just definitely happened. Just right now. <laughs> Back in the cauldron, it's full. Indeed. Yeah, y'all can y'all can drop a big one on there if, uh, let's see, I think like a thousand bits is a huge, is a huge, like, uh, <laughs> it's a big old bean that drops down into the cauldron and blows it up. Otherwise, I think a subscription does the same thing. Okay. That was, I want to say... Was that really four? Why did I think that was five? Stretch. We had... Well, that was Friday, so... Um... That was five. It must have been five, right? Because I did take a whole bean for Monday. I think that must have been five. There was... Um, yeah, you did. I did five. I did five for sure. Okay. So, that is what? One out of five? No. One? None. None? I just said black licorice. You said the candy that's like black licorice. And I said if I say the name... And you're like, ah, that's what I was thinking of. Then you could get the one with that asterisk. Okay. But you don't get one for not saying black licorice. I, I said it a number of times. Okay. So at this point, we have to go in for our... Did he not literally say it's not black licorice? Where is... Yeah, I feel like that's close enough, though. Um, oh, shoot. Okay, I need my... So my phone died this week, folks. And uh, it is sort of on life support in a way. The battery's very dead on it. So I need a new one. But it means I can't spend very much time on this one. Otherwise, uh, it will uh, it will go ahead and die maybe for for real forever. I'm just glad I got a chance to back it up. Uh, Ashmore. Ashmore93 on Twitter. Can't wait for today's reading of Harry Potter. Ash, thank you very much. 
This one's for you. Um, and actually, I'm going to assume Ashmore15 is the same person, isn't it? Uh, Ashmore15, who is our current hype train conductor. Hey, hype train! <laughs> what <laughs> color would choo-choo? you like? Um, uh, yeah, Ashmore? What, yeah, what's, uh, what kind of color do you like, Ashmore? For those of you who don't know, this is an extra bean, and y'all can add extra beans to the pile uh, and uh, make some decisions about them if you wish. Uh, Lisa Hall, for instance, prefers that I don't ever get a bad bean for hers. Uh, but Ashmore, you get to uh, tell us what color you want. All right. I assume it's the same Ashmore. That would be odd, but... Uh, yes, okay, cool. Yeah, you can add... Uh, y'all can add beans if you promote the show like this. Um... I keep an eye on Twitter and Instagram, and I keep an eye on uh, on my handle and um, the HP Out Loud Insta or uh, uh, hashtag. Sorry, I sound like such a boomer. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, so it's not a so it's not a common color. Hmm. I feel like this is gonna be my prediction is that it's gonna be. Um, well, I feel like. The primary colors are typically pretty close to the top. I'm gonna go with, I gotta go with something like. I promise, I'm sorry, I promise. Like pink or something. Just something there's not many beans of that I can think of. All right. <laughs> She's like covering up the, why are you covering that up? Because you'll see colors. Oh, I got you, okay. The process of eliminate. Hmm. Look, you were literally reading it. Yeah, I, I mean, I was reading it. It's my, it's, it's instinctual. Okay, let's see. I might. I might. I might know what it is. The. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely getting grape, for sure. <laughs> I am indeed. You're covering up the wrong thing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting mostly grape somehow. Is berry blue? Is berry blue? Yeah. You couldn't find a blue one near the top? No. Yeah, there aren't a lot on there, are there? No, I did <laughs> Okay, well, I'm surprised. I would have been. There are a lot of. There are a ton of yellowish ones, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because there are. Let's see. One, two, three. I did get busted. Four, I pretty much five, did, didn't I? Beans that are yellow, seven beans that are yellowish in color. I think I like this look. It's a look. I'm gonna. This is this is how I'm gonna go outside in four months. <laughs> That's wishful thinking. <laughs> uh, uh, what is this? Sucker punch. This is my sucker punch look. I don't know. I don't know if any of y'all have seen that movie, but let's see. I watched it. I watched it. Point uh, zero point nine times. I did not even finish the whole thing. It was good, but okay. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think we had, so that one was from Twitter, um, and I believe we got one from Instagram as well, let me see, um, uh, let's see, okay, so, uh, folks, you've seen my, uh, uh, <laughs> pippy quarrel stocking. <laughs> pippy quarrel stocking. Um, yeah, Sucker Punch is a. It was a good movie. The 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 design on it is awesome. It's awesome. Um, 
Okay, I'm sorry. It took me forever to navigate through my my Instagram. I just don't spend very much time on here. I'm sorry. Um, hold on. We've got it here. Here it is. Canvas art underscore CL. Mm, this one's for here, you. Canvas art, are you here? This is for you. You've done well. Because I accept requests. Canvas art underscore CL. This one's for you. Thank you very much for uh, telling folks about the show. And uh, for all this stuff, gang, uh, I don't vet these Twitter accounts or these Instagram accounts, but you know that if they're doing this, then they're interested in some of the same stuff that you are. So if you're looking for somebody to follow, these might be good options. All right. Is Canvas art present? I don't think so. Yeah. Close the minds, boy. That's right. Canvas art, thank you very much. Here we go. Our last bean, bean number seven. Do I do a blind? I do a big sniff. Should I do a blind or should I pick one? Uh, I did just a blind pick, yeah. Oh boy. I know it's risky. That is really risky. I know. I think it, I think it's got to be. We got to maintain the integrity of the risk. We gotta we gotta keep that risk factor in there. Otherwise, it's just birdie bought some flavor beans. <laughs> All right, folks. Here we go. Why are you making that face? Is it a bad color that you know will be bad for me? Yeah? I don't think I'm getting any spice from it. That's a lie. I'm getting spice okay. from it. Yeah, it's well, super it's spicy. Have not even bit into it yet. <laughs> All right. Um, Hogwarts Hippie, have a great night. Thanks for being here. Um, I very much look forward to uh, seeing the second thing that I've been emailed from y'all, uh, but the first one I'm stoked to read. I can't wait. Um, keep an eye on that. Uh, I'm probably going to do my first recording of it next week, uh, early next week, so I look forward to put, posting that. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, welcome to my misery. Here we go. I don't... Now, this one, this one has a distinctive flavor other than I'm spicy and I'm here to mess up your night. I went Alex Jones there for a second, didn't I? <laughs> um, oh, man. Okay. Okay. This one... Honestly, this one tastes more like sriracha. Oh, there's Blue, and he's putting up less of a fight than usual. No, he's not. No, is he? Okay. <laughs> there's Blue Boy. He's very cute and very sweet, but he doesn't like being... He's our cute, grumpy guy. Our cute, old, grumpy guy. Okay. Yep, good night. Everyone who uh, has to head out, um, you have made it to the end anyway. I'm going to go with, for this one, I'm going to go with Sriracha. Because this one definitely tastes like Sriracha. It's what do we got? Jalapeno. Well, dang it, folks. Thank you very much for being here. Um, I'm going to post my schedule on the Insta on the um, on the Discord. Everyone, thank you very, very much. Um, do I add Sidecar Sam to a post? Uh, yeah, Sparkle Love Good. If you would add um, the best way that to make sure that I'll see it, because I don't know what uh, what platform you're going to be on, is to add my uh, my handle, Sidecar Stories, and the hashtag HP Out Loud. And there it is. We've brewed up the big batch. Thank you, Memnite. Memnite, thank you very, very much. Um, you missed your opportunity uh, to pick a bean last week? Yeah, we'll see. We'll, next week, we'll, we'll, we'll set one aside for you, Book and Hook. 
Everyone, thank you very, very much for being here. Uh, as I said, I stream uh, Tuesday through Friday, and you can see my schedule now, finally, at the uh, at the um, prompting of Mama Cass. We've got something that you can hold on to during the week. You know exactly when I'll be up next, what I'll be doing. I am looking forward to our new dates. series. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm probably going to add dates. Uh, <laughs> it's been It's been a lot of fun. I hope you have a great night, and I'll see you all in just a bit. Hopefully tomorrow. Bye-bye. Oh, oh, I can't find it. It's gone. How do I get out of here? There it is. Okay. <laughs>